Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I may be muting every now and then because um, I still have an irritated um, throat, and sometimes I'm just coughing and I can't stop. Um, so today's the first of the month. Um, uh, last week, I was out for the count. I still haven't figured out exactly uh, what it is that uh, caused the issues specifically or where it came from but what we do know is that when you're feeling sick you know i'm a stomach sleeper i really don't get it i don't know how i almost choked i aspired um it's a good thing it didn't turn into pneumonia um and because we were at the hospital and there were covid delta patients and covid exposure poor phoebe has to stay at home with me and do schoolwork from there because there's no way I'm going to send her to the school because, you know, obviously they're like, you were exposed to COVID, so you need to wear a mask and she's not doing it. So she's going to be quarantining because she was in a hospital with people that had COVID. It's bullshit. So, oh, and for those that think that I may have COVID, well, no one around me is sick but me. I thought for a second that maybe Phoebe drank for mine and was feeling sick. It wasn't that. It's just that she's 16 and doesn't know how to cook her food that well. Um, so anyway, um, I'm feeling a little bit better. It was a crash diet. It's the fastest 10 pounds I've ever lost doing absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> um, it was um, it was pretty bad. I, I still feel bad. I had no sleep last night. But um, there were a lot of good patriots that were getting together to get things done. And we're going to talk about that. But I thought maybe you guys want to talk about something like more like dirty, right? Some like real digging out news. And I'm pretty sure my lawyer is going to remember this uh, because he was like, hey, I don't know. Should we like content? I was like, no. So <clears throat> back in early September, I received a letter from a company. And this company was telling me how um, they want to be my friend and help me. They want to help me um, find out about election fraud. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I took a screenshot. Within 30 minutes, max, it was like, oh, that's a big bucket of no. So when this video came out yesterday and I saw it circulating, I was like, all right, 
we got to watch this with the clown show music in the back where I'm going to tell you what's really going on here. Um, cause I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm like shocked as to what I was hearing aside from the, um, 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 all the time. Um, I, um, <laughs> I, I was shocked and, and you, and you'll be too. Because it's like, come on, man. I mean, even my lawyer was smart enough. Well, he didn't really look into it because he's that busy. You know, with he was busy at that point with Avery's case and the Ascension case that he's doing, you know, for the mandatory vaccines and stuff like that. So Russell didn't really look into it. But someone reached out to him saying, hey, I know you're representing this client, which means that this was a sting operation uh, to, to, in, to wrap around all these uh, patriots or people that are looking to do... Um, uh, people that are looking to take back our nation, people that are looking to get to the bottom of fraud. So um, there's a few things that you should know. So this week, a lot of things happened this past week. Uh, today um, was the final, you know, boom, boom, kaboom. Would have happened on Friday, but we just couldn't coordinate it fast enough. And it's my fault, right? I, I was out for the count too, but... Amazing things happened, right? Um, your Houston buy letters that you guys did have been incredible. I've seen a ton of um, representatives, um, you know, local state and local house representatives um, throughout the nation uh, talking about it on their Facebook, uh, posting these letters, the ones that actually want to make a difference. Uh, specifically in Ohio, I saw the representative Vitali uh, had posted the used to buy letter on his page. Um, and that came on the heels of two people in Ohio. Uh, one filed a writ of mandamus against the entire house of Ohio, uh, the representatives of Ohio, and one against the whole Senate of Ohio. Again, for violating Article 1, Section 21. Now, um, I'll tell you about the SCOTUS case that was filed today. It's an emergency writ. Um, it's a pro se. Uh, we're going to talk about that too because uh, back in 2020, uh, I want to say right before Obama was reelected, the um, SCOTUS had put in a new rule saying that you're not allowed to litigate a case unless you're a member of the bar. Let me tell you something. Just because it says that, I'm going to ask to have honorary membership to litigate the shit out of it myself. Because that is a violation in the foundations of our nation. I don't know how... Um, and hadn't gotten uh, enough traction from before. Uh, you know, we're pretty much capable of, uh, you know, sticking up for ourselves. We don't need to pay someone to talk for us, especially when the law is so simple. I, I don't know why we make things complicated. Obviously, the rules of the court are difficult to understand, and the hoops you have to jump through, and, you know, the pagination, how you're supposed to do it. But I'll tell you what. Um, I didn't think I did so well when I litigated my case um, against a, a, a big law firm that was representing uh, my daughter's school. I, I didn't. I didn't think I did a good job, um, though obviously those things are recorded and other people listen to it. They were like, dude, you totally – I felt so proud of myself. Obviously, I was being told off by the judge. Like, you know, I'm letting you talk because I'm listening kind of thing. He doesn't like me anyway. 
But the bottom line is I litigated the shit out of it. And that attorney had to go back to his firm and tell them that he lost an unopposed motion to dismiss. That's got a sting. Okay. Super sting. Um, so I'm not, I'm not concerned, uh, about defending, uh, anything that I have on paper, nor should you never be nervous. Open up that mouth, make it big, 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 big mouth that spits out a shit ton of truth. Um, cause that's, that's something that we're missing, uh, these days. So I'm going to give you a lot of truth because I know a lot of you are like, oh my God, I'm hearing all these things and about this and about that and this general and that general. And oh my God, Michael Hastings. And it's like, shut up. I already told the whole world who killed him. You don't have to go digging for it. It's in my article. So, um, we're at the, at the stage of the harvest where it's winnowing, where you're like tossing shit up in the air and getting all the bad grain out. Right. And, um, it seems that they've ramped up their efforts because uh, things are about to get really hot. Uh, things are about to get really, really, really hot. You know, I also, and I think my lawyer is going to be like, damn, Tori, you said it on air. I don't even think, um, I don't even think that um, he knows this, but you know, we're subpoenaing John Brennan in my case too. Uh, just dropping that right there. Um, and a couple other people like uh, General Hayden. Uh, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be super fun, super fun, super fun. Um, so where do we start? Let's start with the with the cringy shit, okay? I want to start with the cringy shit. I want to show you guys this video where it talks shit about General Flynn and his team. Now, I'll be dead honest with you. Most of his team, um, okay, it's not that I don't like him, right? Some of the guys that are with him are just like, no, you've got to be like a little bit smarter than that. And this is one of those indication if this is anywhere remotely true. Okay. Um, which I don't think it's not true because he said things that I was like, all right, that, that could have happened. I could see that happening. Um, because, you know, I feel like even in the time during January sex where no one was listening, it was the same people that were saying the same thing. So I want us to cover this. There may be a little bit of background music. Um, and the reason I tell you this is because September 16th within like, I think it was like 20, let me, let me check my chat. Hold on. It's me. Okay. September 26th. Give me a second. Let me go back. I'm going to tell you exactly how long it took us <laughs> to weed this shit out. Um, uh, can you, can you dive into this agency? I kind of looked into it. Uh, not a good sign. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Okay. So that was sent 544 PM banter, banter, banter. Yeah. By 602, we were like, yeah, fuck that. So this gentleman, <laughs> so it was, it was less than half an hour. We had sussed. This was a problem and I'll tell you why. Um, uh, this, as you can see, is called new evidence. Hold on. Posted on Facebook by Everett Stern. Everett Stern is a U.S. Senate candidate from Pennsylvania and considered a hero by many. He's also the CEO and intelligence director of a private intelligence agency called Tackle Rabbit Incorporated. Everett has uncovered a trove of evidence that links ongoing domestic 
terror threats against members of Congress, which are being directed by a group headed by formal National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and his attorney, Ivan Raiklin. Like, really, Ivan's heading some scum. This group, the Patriot Caucus, is well-finest extremist group. Now, he said a lot of true things in here, but it's not all true. So... This is a this is an operation that failed, and I think it's him posturing as an operation. I'll tell you why. Because this is where it gets fun. Everett Stern held a press conference on October 30th discussing the findings of an intelligence operation that links an ongoing domestic terror threat conducted by an organization led by General Michael Flynn. Everett is HSBC whistleblower who in 2012 stopped uncovered evidence that his employer, HSBC, was laundering money for several major international terrorist and drug cartel financing operations around the world. Everett's whistleblower actions resulted in a 1.92 billion fine, the largest against a bank in the U.S. has had nothing to do with some bitch eating lunch and telling these people where to look when they had interns so that way they could, they could be out. Had nothing to do with that. It was all him. Now, let me tell you about this guy. So this guy was dying to be in the CIA. He was dying to be in the CIA. When I tell you dying, he wanted to be in the CIA so bad that he was so upset that he took what people that had no idea they were whistleblowing took all their information, right? You know, from those people that had lunch with some really nice, hot looking lady, right? I was like, yeah, you know, I would totally look there. There might be something you don't say. I'd really like a permanent job, you know, with the SEC and stuff. And I'd totally love to find something, but I don't see anything in the audit. Oh, have you ever looked in that file and that file? Oh, really? And then like a week later, oh my God, you will never believe. You will never believe what I found. You're so awesome. Oh yeah. Well, thanks. Maybe I guess we were just lucky that we just happened to sit at the same table because it was crowded here. <laughs> Stop. Stop. So this guy was desperate. He wanted to be part of the CIA. You know, before I show this video, let me show you another one. Give me a second. Because like I said, we did a bit of a good dive on this whole scenario. So, um, trying to see. Um, where would it be? So it would be there. So why are you doing this to me? Because it's like coming up that you did it a long time ago, Tori. That's why. I need that one first. Let me see if I can get that one first. Let's see. This is like so much fun. Okay, so it's already in here. So where is it? Let's see. I'm so off my game. There we go. Okay. Listen and enjoy. Tell me a little bit more about Tactical Rabbit. What's the type of work you do now that really builds upon what you did with HSBC? Uh, that's not a question. So, so, so Tactical Rabbit is a um, uh, private intelligence agency, uh, but we, we don't just do investigations. A lot of people think that we're an investigations firm. No, no, no. We, we far this from that. We do investigations. We use that intelligence, and then we advocate on behalf of the client and help the client achieve their goal. Um, and then we also do consulting. We do AML consulting to prevent things like HSBC from happening again. So 
Tactical Rabbit is a, is a way for me and is a mechanism for me to, to promote justice and do what didn't happen in the HSBC case on a private scale. And, you know, I've, I've tried to make a difference and that's why the company is, is very successful. Um, but again, what, what really separates us from a regular investigations firm um, is that we investigate and then we advocate on behalf of the client and take a stand next to the client. And, um, you know, we apply that pressure to uh, create change. And it's like a piece of coal, right? If you apply tremendous pressure to a piece of coal, you'll end up with a diamond. You'll end up with value. And that's kind of what we do for our clients. We apply pressure, persistent pressure, and we get the job done and they get value at the end of it. So in other words, you're the level of support you didn't have when you were working at HSBC. Yeah, exactly. That's exa it's exactly right. I mean, we, we, we are providing that support to our clients, um, and we're standing with them and through thick and thin, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we help them get the job done, and we take action. Um, and my competitors, they'll just do an investigation, and they'll say, oh, no, this is, this is wrong, and then they leave that, that mm -hmm. intelligence report or that investigations report with the client for the client to do whatever with it. Yeah. We, don't, we don't take that route. We'll go and hire you know, lawyers for our clients. We'll go, we will go the extra mile to make Make sure that justice is is actually seen. Stop! 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 Okay, so this guy really wanted to be in the CIA, um, but he was totally rejected. He wanted to work for the CIA under Obama. Like, stop! Okay, like who would even want to do that? Who would want to do that in their right mind? You know, I'm sure all the careers that are in the agency right now between forever up until president trump came in they freaking hated it so anyway um he was hired at a specific he was he was working at a department that had um gotten this counterintelligence fbi guy with his counterintelligence fbi usually agency tapped um so this fbi counterintel guy was actually running the place so he went back um to his CIA recruiter to report the terrorist funding from HSBC so that he can get hired. Okay. He did that legit. That's, that's the way it went. Okay. This is why I'm like, how the, how the, f did this guy even get part of this? So I want you guys to, um, is this the one? Okay. I want you to watch this video. Hold on a minute. Can I just say something something funny? Wasn't this that says boom bust kind of look like TNA boom bust? Just saying. So anyway, um, he posted this video to his um, YouTube. I want you guys to see it. So let's go. The lasting point of contention after the financial crisis of 2008 was that not only the banks were too big to fail, but everyone at them was apparently also too big to jail. But all right, if jailing a banker for playing around with credit default swaps was too difficult, surely something as simple as laundering terror money is easier to prosecute, right? 
Well, you'd be surprised, because as we saw with the scandal at HSBC in 2012, even laundering astronomical sums of money for groups like Al-Qaeda and the Sinaloa cartel won't generate anything beyond a fine from government regulators. In the words of the nation's highest, second highest prosecutor, pressing criminal charges would have threatened, had the U.S. authorities decided to press criminal charges, the future of the institution would have been under threat, and the entire banking system would have been destabilized. Well, one person, though, noticed increasingly alarming behavior at HSBC and blew the whistle, doing what he could to help the government. His name is Everett Stern. And after all these years, he is shocked by how the big bank got away with financing the enemy with the government's support and permission. Stern is now the CEO of Tactical Rabbit, an intelligence consulting firm. And earlier, he joined Sean Stone to take us through the backstory of this fascinating case. I want to start by discussing how you broke into national prominence actually in 2012 with this massive HSBC money laundering scandal. They were laundering billions of dollars and essentially laundering it for various terror groups around the world and at the end of the day they were slapped with about a under two billion dollar fine which was a lot of money but in comparison to what they were laundering minute. Tell us a bit about what you discovered while you're working at HSBC. Sure, I mean so I, I started at HSBC in October of 2010 um, I was 25 years old, and um, yeah, I mean, I just saw massive uh, money laundering going to Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, drug cartels, um, and you know there were maybe 15 compliance officers in the whole department when I started, um, and it was just completely understaffed. Like there were like folded up cubicles, and the walls were half painted and this was in like a shopping mall facility uh, in Newcastle, Delaware. And actually half the building was full of all these debt collectors for, for, for Capital One, for the HSBC credit card. Um, and what, what, I, what I saw that what was very, very important, which the FBI later called stripping the payments, was a criminal manipulation of the wire filter. So there's certain names that OFAC bans, uh, certain companies and uh, businesses that, that, and people we can't do business with, and they're listed in an actual filter. So, for instance, if you have the, the prime example is this company called Tajico, T-A-J-C-O, um, which is a front for Hezbollah uh, operating out of um, um, uh, Beirut, and they're operating different supermarket chains called Kariba Supermarkets um, out of uh, Gambia and Sierra Leone. Um, and so in the wire filter, when a wire comes in, if it says Tajiko, it will get stopped. Um, but what HSBC, with these geniuses, figured out was if they add little dots or dashes to the actual name, the payment wouldn't match and the payment would go through. Mm. And that's what I, I caught what they were doing, because I was like, well, how are all these payments going through when they're supposed to be stopped? And then th that's when I realized this was an absolute criminal uh, operation. And later on, actually, what they ended up doing was uh, firing all these debt collectors in the other side of the building, I mean, hundreds of them, and then they rehired them as anti-money laundering compliance officers uh, with no AML experience, nothing, and they just had them clearing transactions all day long. Um, but, but again, going back to your question, I, I, I saw there, there was an emergent national security issue uh, that needed to be addressed. Um, and uh, I couldn't go to the FBI because they hired a former counterintelligence FBI agent to run the department. Uh, he was specifically hired, I believe, to defraud the United States government. Um, and so on three weeks in from my employment, uh, um, on November 12th, 2010, that's when I emailed uh, the CIA regarding 
these these transactions and all right so here's what happened let me just tell you so this whole hsbc thing right was a front for all the dirty fuckers that are still in office right now and every single loser around the world it was bcci all over again i've written a shit ton of articles about that they got caught because someone had a big mouth and you know was hanging out with all the interns they hired to go see what's up so um i you know he saw it as an opportunity to say holy shit this counterintelligence guy is working against america which was probably true <laughs> which was probably 100 true i don't see how he didn't realize that the guys that were using the money laundering were indeed this <laughs> The same people that he wanted to work for. So he went back to a CIA recruiter and was like, yo, this guy's dirty. And, and, he's, and he's working against America. So um, you need to fix that. He tells you everything. Listen. She was middle of my former recruiter. I was rejected from the CIA before I joined HSBC. Um, and... Um, yeah, and the only thing I could say, though, is that I think that this counterintelligence FBI agent that HSBC hired uh, needs to go back to the academy because I got, I, I got past his intelligence for over a year by passing information to the CIA the whole time I was there and built up this huge case. So that guy needs to be retrained. But at the end of the day, this wasn't just HSBC employees trying to make money by allowing basically various... Uh, blacklisted you know group companies and groups to, to do their financing this is ultimately coming from the top down no oh yeah no no no, absolutely this was a top-down approach um, and they were designing a system to defraud the government and to facilitate funds uh, to to benefit terrorist organizations and drug cartels and what the what the government did by just finding them 1.9 billion dollars which was only five weeks of their profit was to say, okay, this is just a cost of doing business, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So when right. So if you remember, who the fuck was on the board of HSBC at the time, guys? Let me check the chat and see how many of you are clued up. Who was on the board of HSBC when they got caught money laundering? Waiting to see, waiting to see. That's what's up. It was corny. It was James Comey, 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 Comey. That's why I was like, whoa. He, 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 he oversaw all this money laundering and then he got promoted to FBI director. He got promoted so much that when, you know, he and Mueller made a great team in 2001 when Comey was acting attorney general. What? And he, even though he only had like a year and a half as a U.S. attorney, he got acting attorney general. Stop. And he was working with Mueller, who was FBI director. And then Mueller can only do 10 years. But, you know, they extended it because they needed Comey to come. And so he could pass the torch. And then Mueller was in charge of the Russia investigation. Him and his non-self. But anyway, I digress. So this guy, you know, kind of broke open their operation <laughs> and they were like, you're fucking around with the wrong people, right? So before we, 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 let's move over to the next portion of this because I want you guys to see. So he was former uh, Senator, right? He's been running for Senate for like a decade. Um, and here he is running again. And here's what he said. Take a listen. This is, this is interesting. Uh, 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 coming to this press conference, um, notice a little short notice. Uh, it's extremely important. Uh, we're dealing with a national security issue, uh, dealing with domestic terrorism. 
Um, I'm here today not uh, as a candidate running for U.S. Senate. Um, I'm here uh, as an American citizen that is genuinely concerned uh, about our country um, and genuinely concerned and sincerely concerned about the undermining of our democracy uh, that is taking place right now. Um, and I have a responsibility um, and an obligation uh, to make the American public aware uh, of what has been happening uh, over the last uh, six months. Um, I want to make clear that the federal law enforcement uh, was made aware of the situation uh, immediately, um, and I, I gave it some time, uh, and, and now it's time for the American public to fully understand uh, the gravity of the situation, what is happening, um, because I believe strongly, as you know me as the whistleblower in the HSBC money laundering scandal, um, that sometimes exposure, uh, public exposure, um, is, is the best way, um, and using your First Amendment rights, uh, especially through journalism, uh, is the best way to inform the public, and once the public is informed, uh, massive action can, can take place by applying the right pressure to legislators and government officials uh, to take the, the necessary action uh, to, to uh, protect us. Um, and again, right now, uh, I want to emphasize that our democracy um, is in absolute uh, danger. Um, so I want to go through what is taking place, um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to stick to the facts on this, um, and uh, just take care of some housekeeping issues. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, please text 703-408-4973. Uh, again, you can text 703-408-4973, um, and I'll address all the questions um, uh, you know, uh, with 100% honesty and transparency. Um, I want to make sure all questions are answered uh, at the end of my uh, uh, talk or my, at the end of the press conference. Uh, I'll be speaking just so you know for maybe about 15 minutes walking you through this. This is a very complex situation, uh, but I try, I'm going to try to break it down as simply as possible. So let's start um, as to when this uh, event occurred and, and why we're here today. Uh, and the reason is, is really to break it down very simply that you know I believe that General Flynn um, is committing treason against the United States. Uh, I believe his attorney, um, um, Ivan Reitlin, uh, Sidney Powell, and, and, uh, and, and Giuliani uh, are also uh, committing treason against the United States. I understand that's a very, very strong word, uh, but based on what I have seen um, and I've witnessed, uh, I, I truly believe that is the case. Um, General Flynn is controlling uh, a group uh, called the Patriot Caucus. Uh, now, uh, initially, when I first ran into this group, I thought they were the Patriots, which is different. Uh, the Patriots are more uh, uh, aligned with, with Trump, but the Patriot Caucus is different. They focus more on national security issues, uh, except their national security version uh, is that they believe they're living under a terrorist state um, with, with Biden as president. Uh, in fact, they don't believe Biden is president. They believe President Trump is president. Uh, let me and try to stop counting how many times he says, um, I want you guys to understand, first of all, Ivan is not General Flynn's attorney. Sidney was General Flynn's attorney. Rudy Giuliani is definitely not General Flynn's attorney. That's number one. Number two, we are living under tyranny right now because Biden is not the elected president. Seat is, is usurped. And every single person, either they support President Trump or not, at this point, is starting to realize that. But, you know, I digress.
this is very important that you guys got to listen to this because it's pretty interesting. But I have to wonder, like, how the hell did he get so far with them? I mean, he didn't even get past sending me a letter, right? <laughs> um, but wait, it gets better. Here's the thing. He was trying to get in the good graces again of the agency or probably get a contract. So he thought, if I throw all these people under the bus, right, then I win. So he approached me. He even sent a letter to my lawyer to help and work together. Um, in this process, um, uh, uh, there is uh, a gentleman financing uh, General Flynn, um, and uh, we're going to get into names. I'm looking to name people. Uh, I don't really care if I get sued. Uh, my, my sole objective is to protect the United States of America, uh, and uh, these people need to be named so, they, so people can explore what they're doing uh, and ask them questions as to why they're doing it. Um, but this Patriot Caucus group uh, is there, and, 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 and Ivan Reichland, who is the attorney for, for General Flynn, their objective uh, when, uh, is to push the audits uh, and to reverse the audits uh, so uh, the states will flip back towards President Trump, uh, and therefore President Trump uh, would you know, uh, become president again. Um, and this is why in Pennsylvania, uh, where I am right now running for U.S. Senate, um, and also um, uh, that, that, that they were pushing very, very hard towards the audit. Um, and uh, you, you saw this uh, also now, you're also seeing it now in Michigan and other states. Um, but this audit push is really coming from this Patriot Caucus group uh, and General Flynn. Um, so I first, let me just state how I, I had this information, how this kind of came about. Um, but... Um, on Monday, April 26th um, of, of 2021, um, I gave a speech uh, at the Berks County Republican Committee. Um, and it was after this speech, I can actually see this speech on YouTube. Uh, I was approached uh, by two individuals. I was approached by an individual named Mark Still and an individual named, named Belma Ann Ruth. Uh, these two individuals uh, told me they were from the Patriot Caucus and that there was a national security issue and they wanted my help uh, in, in solving it. Now, the reason why they approached me with, with this issue is I also am the CEO and intelligence director of a company called Tactical Rabbit. Um, and my company uh, is, is a private intelligence agency uh, comprised of you know, former state officers, military intelligence, and um, I'm not here to promote my company. I'm just, it's very important that you understand what it is because it's an intelligence firm and what, uh, at this first county committee, what uh, these two individuals wanted was to hire Tactical Rabbit to gather intelligence um, uh, for them. And at the time, I didn't know exactly what the intelligence was going to be used for or, uh, or for what purpose. I just knew they wanted, what they wanted, to, hire, um, they wanted to hire my firm. Um, Senator Mastriano was also there. Uh, we know he's been in the news tremendously. Uh, Senator Mastriano was also looking for intelligence, uh, again, to, to you know, push more towards the audit. Um, and uh, I then had later interactions with Bellman Ruth and, and Mark Still with uh, the Patriot Caucus in the following weeks. And what was said to me exactly was that they were recruiting former intelligence officers, uh, both domestic and foreign. Um, and the second they said foreign, uh, you know, uh, red alarm bells went off in my head because you can't do that. Um, and what they said to me uh, exactly was that they want to gather intelligence on senators, judges, 
congressmen, uh, state reps, uh, to move them towards the audit. Um, and the, the, the word move was emphasized uh, uh, tremendously. They said they were on an open line, they didn't want to get into full details of the situation, but it was obvious to me that they did not want uh, traditional opposition research. So let's be honest, these patriots, obviously they probably have my number. Do you think that they needed to go hire him to find out dirt on senators and shit? Stop. Okay, so see, he met with them in April because they approached him. So they ensued conversations. He's going to go into it. You need to listen to it because some of this stuff is really bad. Like the FBI has actually opened up a file on General Flynn on this shit. But what I found curious is that I was being approached at the end of August and then with letters in September because he wanted to pull me in too. And that's where it's like, yeah, so I don't need your help. Thanks. Thanks. But I'm okay. Thank you. But I want you to pay attention to how this all works out because he's talking about how they wanted all the dirt on everyone. That's right. I mean, we're doing that out in the open. It's not a crime. We said on, we are the news. Every state will have dossiers of every little piece of anything we find on anyone in any public office. And then we're going to create virtual NASCAR outfits for them and say, yeah, so you don't pass the smell test. But anyway, so that's not a thing, but if they really wanted to find dirt, I mean, somebody's got my number, right? Obviously I don't do that because it's bad juju and karma, but I digress, you know, what if someone twisted my arm? I'm just saying. Uh, what they wanted was to extort um, and to you know, literally you know, move people towards audit with, with, with dirt. Uh, that obviously is not what Tax the Rabbit and my company does, and people know what I stand for, that's not what we do. Um, but what I did was uh, I decided to play along with them to, to gain and elicit uh, an understanding more of what they're doing because I felt this group was a risk and a danger to the United States at this point in this, at this point in the phone call and my interactions with them, and I wanted to gather intelligence on them and report back uh, to uh, you know, law enforcement to let them know what, what exactly was going on. Um, and I was then subsequently put in touch with um, um, Ivan Reglin, uh, and I was told at this point in time that Velma and Mark were in charge. They were the, the operatives, you could say, of, of Patriot Caucus. Uh, and then uh, General Flynn was was running Patriot Caucus, and a gentleman named Al Hartman, uh, who's a billionaire in Texas, um, is financing um, Patriot Caucus and General Flynn. Uh, Al Hartman um, is the um, chairman um, of the Hartman Income Re um, uh, Management Group. It's a billionaire. Again, he's a he's a he's a billionaire, um, and. Um, he is taking part uh, in moving um, uh, in, in again. I believe in in in, in undermining our democracy uh, th uh, th through through financing. Um, going forward here, so um, I, I so I want to pause right there again. So what he's saying is from his perspective. I'm going to tell you what happened. Um, they came to him. They were like, I don't know about it. Then he was like, oh, you know, all eager. They're like, let's give him a chance. You just heard of a name of a highballer 
that no one knows, which means he got information and he was giving it back. This could, in fact, be the reason that they have this whole Jan 6 probe thing to find out the money. Because if they could link Akbar to the same funding, they would have taken him out. But Akbar is getting money from the Lincoln Project, so stop. But um, the bottom line um, 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 is he got a lot of information. I want you to listen to what else he said. Even though he says a lot of ums and he's not a very good speaker, this is probably why they rejected him. Because in order to be within the agency, you have to be able to articulate things that you know well. And this is a topic that he's supposed to know well, and he can't talk about it. Then had numerous conversations with, with Ivan Reitlin. Again, there's you know text messages, uh, uh, audio, uh, a lot of tremendous amount of evidence. I'm not just you know saying all of this. Uh, federal law enforcement has all of this evidence. Um, but what uh, was said to me was that you know uh, said to me that the PAGOP, which is a, which is the Pennsylvania Republican Party, better move towards the audit um, and 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 win the audit, or he's going to crush them. Um, and so he, he's very, uh, you know, he's a former Green Beret. Uh, he was extremely aggressive in making this statement. Um, and I let him know uh, that, you know, uh, that, that, the, that, that the PAGOP uh, was, is actually controlled by, by a gentleman named, named, named Mr. Tavis, uh, Lawrence Tavis. Uh, and he said to me uh, that uh, he would you know, crush Lawrence uh, if he did not do uh, what, what was said to be done. Um, again, you know, these are election crimes, um, and this is very, very serious. Uh, and uh, Ivan put me through a number, a series of tests. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the details, uh, but he, he put me. Reporters, if you have questions afterwards, I'm more than happy to, to answer. But he put me through a series of tests uh, to make sure I was that uh, to make sure I, I was one of them. I guess uh, I passed these tests. Uh, again, I was pretending at the time to support the Patriot Caucus and, and to support. Ivan's mission and, and uh, Flynn's mission and, and Trump's mission, to, again, to elicit the necessary intelligence to help protect the United States. Um, and I was asked to give, um, he told me that, the, that, that he was going to give me the targets for Attached to Rabbit and for myself to be able to gather intelligence on and go after. Um, and in order for me to give the targets, though, I needed to give a speech to the Patriots. Uh, it's kind of like a test. Um, and you know, uh, I actually did do this. I, I went out and I gave a speech saying things I did not believe in, uh, in, in order to um, get the operatives, uh, you know, to, to give me the targets so I could then so I could then report back to law enforcement. Uh, at this point in time, I absolutely notified law enforcement that, that I was that I was doing this. Um, I was not uh, tasked in any way, shape, or form. I was um, self self directed, uh, self acting. Uh, the United States. Government uh, did not give me um, any type of direction, you know, whatsoever. Um, uh, uh, there's a difference between passing information to the government and taking uh, orders and action from them. It's a very big difference. Um, and what ended up happening was I gave the speech. I met with one of the operatives. They were actually dressed in, in paramilitary gear uh, and in a paramilitary uniform. I have a photo of it. If the reporters are interested in, in seeing it, I can, I can show it to you. Um, and uh, I, I met with this individual, and they brought with them um, um, a computer and with, with various targets. 
and they gave me uh, two targets to, to pursue. Uh, one target uh, was Senator Pat Toomey, uh, who uh, is someone I actually ran against in 2016. Uh, you know, uh, and even though, again, Senator Toomey um, uh, was an opponent, uh, he, look, he's, he's, he's a senator, um, and, and um, obviously that's not someone I'm, I'm interested in, um, uh, not, not, not someone, uh, someone we're going to target. Again, the, the, the second person who is very, very important here that was given as a target was Congressman uh, Brian, Brian Fitzpatrick. Um, and he's the first, Congress, first district congressman in Pennsylvania. Um, he's also a former FBI agent. Um, and what was expressed to me was General Flynn had a serious issue with uh, um, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick. Um, and uh, he was number one target uh, for this group. Uh, again, this is, this, and I was told the exact words that were used to me uh, in this exact conversation, uh, in, in the discussion of General Fitzpatrick, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, in the discussion surrounding uh, Congressman Fitzpatrick, was uh, we will accomplish the mission uh, you, even if we have to use uh, domestic terrorism. So the words domestic terrorism were actually used in the same type of conversation with a congressman. Uh, and for me, uh, that is that is beyond not okay, uh, and that is a national security issue. Um, and uh, again, I, I reported uh, this to the United States government uh, immediately. Um, and at this point in time, um, you know, I, the, the severity and the danger uh, of domestic terrorism and this group became very, very apparent to me. Um, and um, uh, you know, it's just, just, just extreme, it was extremely disturbing. Um, at this point in time, I asked uh, this individual, why is it that I am being selected uh, out of all the people out there to, to uh, handle these types of operations for General Flynn? Uh, again, I, I didn't actually do anything for, for General Flynn, uh, but uh, you know, why, why were they seeking me out? And the answer was that, again, I, I owned a private intelligence agency, Tasker Rabbit, so I had the intelligence capability, uh, plus um, I was running for U.S. Senate and I had access to uh, various political um, uh, uh, figures, uh, and I would be able to elicit the necessary information out of them uh, and gather intelligence um, on, on these political figures as I was running for U.S. Senate. Um, and this was going to be in the name of national security, but again, I want to emphasize this is their version of national security. Um, so, so at this at point this in time, time a, 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 a private meeting was set up, set up between myself and General Flynn with um, um, uh, Al, Al Hartman set up this meeting. I was supposed to meet with um, General Flynn at the Omni Hotel in Dallas, um, where, where um, you know, further operations were going to be discussed. Uh, it was also made clear to me in conversations that there were operation, you know, types of paramilitary Operations are being set up in Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Virginia. Uh, I do not know what they're doing there, uh, what General Flynn is doing, uh, but that is something to note that should be looked into because I, I honestly don't know. Uh, but I didn't have a chance to find out because once the meeting was set up with General Flynn, I was advised uh, by my counsel and I was advised by uh, colleagues and, and, and uh, uh, trusted confidants 
not to engage, not to walk into a room with, with a three-star general when, again, I was not being tasked uh, by the government uh, because I could get in trouble uh, or, or, you know, and up until this point, I, I did nothing wrong or illegal. I didn't uh, provide any intelligence or do anything. Uh, I was just gathering intel on the other group. Um, but if I were to walk into a room with, with General Flynn, uh, who, who knows? Uh, and, and so I canceled at the last minute, uh, and I did not uh, go, go meet General Flynn. Um, and I disengaged uh, from this operation uh, uh, completely uh, because I felt that in order for me to gather more intelligence or do anything, uh, I, I would have to take action. Uh, and, and I was not willing to, again, gather any intelligence or do anything uh, against the United States government uh, or against a congressman or a senator. It's just not going to happen. Um, but what I want to make very clear here is I did alert uh, the Pennsylvania um, GOP. And, you know, this is going to hurt me politically, and, and I really don't, I really don't care at this point because this is a national security issue and that's all I care about is the United States. Um, and, you know, I, I went to the head of the, G the GOP, I went to Lawrence Tabus, I sent him an email requesting a meeting. So I wanted to tell him about this so he could you know, alert Brian Fitzpatrick uh, and also alert Senator Toomey. I was then referred to uh, Thomas King, who, who is the, uh, I'm sorry, Thomas King then reached out to me, who is the attorney for the PA GOP. Um, and he told me that he was going to alert Brian Fitzpatrick, um, and he he, uh, he took this very seriously, at least on the phone he did, and I found out later uh, that he Brian, Brian Fitzpatrick was actually never notified by uh, the PAGOP and by Thomas King. <laughs> uh, and then the, the excuse that was used was that uh, these, you know, Thomas King is an attorney, and Lawrence uh, Tavis as an attorney, uh, did not have the duty to warn. Uh, me personally, I disagree with that. I think if someone's life or uh, in this type of situation, uh, I think there is a duty to warn. Uh, I think if you're a human being uh, and, and you see this type of situation, whether you're an attorney or not, or you're not even in a, in a, you're not even a professional, if you see some some type of danger like this, um, I, I personally think there's a duty to warn. Just just that from an ethical doing the right thing standpoint. But that's besides the point. Um, so again, this is there's a lot more to this story, um, a, a tremendous amount more. Uh, you know, this this intelligence, uh, you could call it, I guess, an intelligence operation or or situation. You know, went on uh, for approximately three months, um, and um, again, my my duty here today is to alert the American public as to what's going on. This is not political. It has nothing to do with your, if you're a Democrat or Republican. This has to do with we're all Americans. After 9-11, we were all, we're all, all Americans, no matter what. Um, and right now, we have a very, very serious problem. Um, you know, I've even heard people uh, giving, in giving speeches that January 6th was okay, and the FBI is uh, uh, people going against the FBI. Uh, to me personally, um, I, I just want to say that, um, you know, I, I, I think law, federal law enforcement, state law enforcement, these people are heroes. Um, the FBI are heroes. I, I think what happened on January 6th was disgusting and wrong. Um, and I think that the, uh, 
Republican Party um, needs to really take a good, hard look in the mirror right now um, because we have a real problem. Um, and I'm standing here today, and I know I'm going to take tremendous uh, blowback for, for what I'm doing right now, but I don't care because it's the right thing to do. And I think a lot of people right now in the, in, the, in the Republican Party and Democratic Party and in America in general need to step up and say this is wrong. Him are wrong. Okay? People like him that are around are wrong. This is a, a wrong thing. Okay? This is wrong. And you know what's funny? The timing. Because it's October 31st when he puts this out and he does this press conference. And he had approached me in September and August with no communication back. Uh, so that leads me to believe that, you know, they wanted to get a feel of things. So, you know, Ivan is a Green Beret, but he is like one of the biggest, like his smile is so huge. Like seriously, he's like super mellow unless you're the enemy in front of him. That's different. Super Green Beret. Uh, so what I am trying to say, cause I saw this being circulated is this is a sad attempt again for him to call his CIA recruiter. <laughs> and um, look at me. I got him. Look at what I'm doing. Biden's the president. Pay attention to me. Put me somewhere now, Biden, and I'll help you because they're going to get rid of you because you pooped your pants all the time, even at the Vatican. You know, so it, like this is this is how desperate they are point that was desperation right desperation so you know even though ivan may not like I, no i don't think he doesn't like me but he knows that i'm pretty like when he said a couple things on january 5th i just looked at him and i was like oh fuck no i don't know how you're even around this person oh we should just all get along and i just looked and i was like yeah you go do that by yourself so um, he's a really nice guy and everyone that's around general fund is pretty nice. You know, they're very solid, um, and, uh, very poised. And, um, you know, the fact that he didn't go to the meeting means that he was worried that he was going to be stung. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty bizarre, uh, that he, um, kind of, you know, but he got far enough to know money, connections, and then just give that stuff over. So that's a problem. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> that's a problem. Um, so it's all good. Uh, it is what it is. I just thought I'd share that with you so um, we understand what's going on. We um, start with my... But before we go to a little break... I thought we could see a recent interview that POTUS had um, just a few minutes because I want us to go into SCOTUS and talk about what we've been doing as the people and just how upset they are about it because they're really, really upset about it. I, I don't think you guys realize just how upset they are that, you know, um, we're doing this actually doing this and and they are not happy about it at all i want to make that clear they are not 
happy about this at all, right? At all. They're not happy. So let's see what uh, the president had to say. Okay. Um, he was with uh, Judge Janine, and we all know he won. Let's go. Wait, there we go. Okay, Judge, let's get this. Exclusive sit down with President Donald Trump in Florida, where he was in great spirits and as fired up as I've ever seen him. His prediction for the Virginia gubernatorial race, his reaction to Biden's disastrous administration, and so much more. Take a look. Mr. President, thank you so much for having us here at Mar-a-Lago. Thank you. Okay. If there's one word that could sum up the Biden administration, it would be crisis. There's the energy crisis, the supply chain crisis, the COVID crisis. If you look back on the last 10 months of the Biden administration, what grade would you give them? Well, it's probably the worst presidency in history. I can't imagine. I used to say Jimmy Carter. Uh, not a big fan of Bush getting us into the Middle East, to be honest with you. I think this is, though the worst in the history of our country. If you look at Afghanistan and that horrible thing that happened to our nation with these young people being killed, and by the way, so badly injured, we have over 20, no arms, no legs, nobody ever talks about them. And then to leave $85 billion worth of the best military equipment, brand new, much of it brand new, better than what we have, right out of the box. And, and they didn't explode it. They didn't blow it up like they said. Yeah. They did a couple of old planes that were not very valuable. No, I think that was the worst. And I'll tell you what, it's getting to be pretty close. What's happening on the border is one of the great embarrassments for our country. Also. Well, so we'll talk about those individually. But what grade would you give the Biden administration? I think you have to say an F and not an F plus. It would be an F. It's a failed administration. It's a disaster. I've never seen anything like it. And by the way, I wish you'd do well. You know, I love the country more than I love anything. Family, God, country, you know, we have to take care of our country. Uh, I would love to see him do well. I don't think there's ever been a greater embarrassment as an administration. And we had everything ready to go. It was, we handed him on a plate, whether it was the border or Afghanistan, we were getting out, but we were going to get out with great dignity and strength. Well, you know, Joe Biden was sold to us as a guy who understood foreign relations. He was a United States Senator for 36 years. He was on the Foreign Relations Committee. He was a vice president for eight years. He was sold to us as a guy who understood foreign relations. Well, his own Secretary of State, Gates, said very strongly he never made a correct decision in his life. Now that was made policy. numerous times by numerous people, but it was made even recently by Gates and others that worked with him. And I think Afghanistan was a disaster, not getting out. I was the one that set it up. I brought it down to 2,500 soldiers and we were in great shape and they weren't going to touch us. They knew they weren't going to touch us. And then he took out the military before he took out the people. He left, he left maybe thousands of people that are Americans sure, and people that should there. be taken out. Why do you think he didn't listen to his military? Well, I think the military is largely discredited. I think our top people in the military are discredited. He, he might see that if he understands it. He might see that. I wanted to get out also. I remember Millie telling me, because I said, I want every screw, every bolt, every nut, mm -hmm. every tank. I want to take the tents, you know, the big tents that hold the equipment and the planes. I want everything out. Getting the planes out, you just fly them into Pakistan and then take them over to our country. So easy. 
They left everything. But I remember Millie saying, and he told me this, and I, I lost a lot of respect when he said it. Sir, we'll save money if we leave the equipment. I said, save money if we leave a $50 million airplane or a $10 million tank? You think we're saving money by not take, putting it into a plane or flying it out? I said, what does that mean? Sir, it's cheaper to leave it than it is to take them. And I said, that's a fool talking. No, when, I, when Millie said that, I lost such respect for him. I said, give it to me again. Tell me again. I want to hear it one more time. And he said that I really lost a lot of respect for him. We've got a school board controversy that feeds into the Virginia gubernatorial race. But more important is the fact that we are now at a point in American history where parents are being referred to as domestic terrorists by the National School Board Association. They took it back after after the outrage. But you've got an attorney general, Merrick Garland, who's ready to deploy national law enforcement to supervise what's going on in local jurisdictions, which is a job for the sheriffs and the local police. And he is doubling down. We heard the hearings this week. I've been watching the school board hearings more closely than I ever have, to be honest. Right. And it's so interesting. Yeah, the parents is. are incensed. They're not terrorists. They're just people that are so upset. They're angry. They're hurt. They're crying because their children are being taught things that, in our opinion, in my opinion, in a vast majority of the people in this country's opinion, they don't want their children to hear about this stuff. They want to go back to reading, writing, and arithmetic. And they want to hear that black people are good. And they want to hear that white people are good. Yes. This is the division that's being caused by these programs are, are just terrible. The amazing part of this is the National School Board Association, who drafted this letter, um, ends up, uh, the administration promotes the head of that association, gives them a plum job. We now know that there was coordination between the Biden administration and the National School Board Association to get that letter to the attorney general so they could start going after parents. The saddest part of all this is that there was a young girl raped. The school board knew yeah. about it. The superintendent that lied about it. And now we've got a gubernatorial race in Virginia. It will be a forecast to 2022, the midterms. How do you see Youngkin doing against McAuliffe next well, Tuesday? I think he's going to do very well. Look, McAuliffe made a tremendous mistake, I, but it's really probably not a mistake from his standpoint. He believes it. Right. He said the parents have nothing to do <laughs> with what their children are going to learn. They have nothing to do with it. I heard that statement. I said, is that going to be bad? Is that going to be like deplorables? Remember when Hillary made the statement deplorables? I said, that's not a nice word. And it blew up. I think this is going to cause him tremendous problems come Tuesday. Do you think Youngkin's going to win? I think he's a good man. And I think he's a successful man. He loves Virginia. He loves he the win? country. I, I think he should win. I mean, he should win. I'll be honest. My base has to turn out. If my base turns out, he's going to win. And I hope they turn out. I really want them to turn out. It's interesting, don't you think, that they are now referring to Yunkin as a Trump acolyte, using you as a way to get the Democrats to come out and vote? Well, I think it backfires because I think that gets the base to come out and vote by doing that, mm -hmm. by hooking me with him mm -hmm. as much. And I know him a little bit, but I really know him as a, a good person. Mm -hmm. You know, the last person that ran as a Republican, did not embrace Trump in Virginia. Right. He got killed. He was just absolutely destroyed. 
And I think if my base doesn't come out, he can't win. Do you see I your, think my base has to come out very strongly. Do you see yourself as a kingpin for elections going forward? Well, something has happened, and this is not from an egotistical standpoint. Yeah. It's a great honor because it's never question. happened before to anybody. If I endorse somebody, they win. If I endorse somebody, they win. I think I'm 148 and two. That's a pretty good number. You endorsed Yunkin. And I did endorse Yunkin. And we're going to see. I hope it's not going to be three. <laughs> okay. Do you understand that? Yeah. I did. I endorse him strongly. He's a good man. He wants mm -hmm. to do the right job. He's a sane person. These people are insane. Let's talk about inflation. You talked about how you left this country in great shape. We now have inflation of 5.4%. Now the prices of beef are up 17.6%. The average American family spending an extra $175 a month. Gas prices are up to $7 in California, $5 in New York. Yeah. We can't afford these people. And Joe Biden, when he was asked about gas prices, what he's going to do about it, he says, I don't see uh, anything that's going to reduce uh, significantly reduce gas prices in Incredible. the near future. Incredible. He doesn't know. No, no it's a, he doesn't have any idea. Look, one of the things I was most proud about, our country became energy independent. We didn't need the Middle East. We didn't need right. Russia. We didn't need anybody. We had our own. We had more than them. We were number one by far over Saudi Arabia and, and you know this and Russia. Yeah. Number one by far. I had the pipelines going, Keystone XL pipeline. Amazingly, I ended the Russian pipeline. I was not good to Russia. I got along well with Russia. I got along well with Putin. But they weren't happy with Trump. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. But Biden opened up this big, massive pipeline all over Europe, but he closed down the XL. And I have to say, because you heard it a thousand times. Yeah. More importantly, we're energy independent no longer. I was so proud of that. First time really in history that, you know, they say 75 years, but I don't believe we it were ever big. energy independent. It was and big. We were energy independent. We were doing so much. The, the prices, it was $1.87 a gallon. Okay. If you look at, you look at the numbers. The crazy. And now, yesterday, they had in a certain section of California, $7.70. Mm -hmm. It's always the lead. Yeah. It's going to follow and it's going to go a lot higher than that. And Biden sent people to go see Russia, Saudi Arabia, and other members of OPEC that we need help because we don't have enough. Now, when you talk about inflation, the biggest factor, in my opinion, is no energy. The trucks, the factories, everything, the deliveries, the planes, everything. It's so energy-based that the energy now is so expensive to get. We don't have enough oil. You know, I filled up the strategic reserves right. for almost nothing. When oil hit bottom, we, had, we were almost empty with the reserves. And nobody thought of it. I said, you know, this would be a great time to fill it up. We'll buy it cheap. I never got credit. I don't think anybody's ever mentioned it. But I bought 75 million barrels, I believe it was. 75 million barrels, which is a massive order. It was good for two things. Uh, the prices got so low that it was hurting our energy jobs. And we bought it cheap as hell. And it's, now he wants to use that, that energy, that oil that I bought at a great price that should be used in cases of emergency. He wants to now drain it yeah. so that the prices come down. But he, even he said it'll save us about 18 cents a gallon. Oh, uh, it's not 18 cents. He, no, he doesn't. No it, no, it would save. We could, I could get that down within six months. I'll bet you I could get it down to $2, $2.50. It's going to be well, over doesn't, $10. Doesn't he know how to do it? I, well, I don't think he does because his answer was weird. You can get it down a few cents. A few cents, no. You get it down many dollars. How do you do that? 
you have to let the let the oil companies go back to work. They ended leases. They ended Anwar because of Lisa Murkowski, who's done a terrible job in Alaska. She's not a Republican. She says she's a Republican in Alaska. Ronald Reagan tried to get it. Bush's tried. Everybody tried to get it. I got it done. It was all done. Maybe it's bigger than Saudi Arabia. Okay, maybe. They've tried for many, many decades to get it done. I got it done. This would have added to our supply. We're already the biggest in the world by far. Now we're not the biggest in the world anymore. We've ended all the leases on government lands that, frankly, were pumping out for years and not hurting it, done in an environmental way. And if you look at natural gas, natural gas is very clean. We got windmills destroying our landscapes, killing all the birds. And not necessarily The energy is so expensive. And you know where the turbines are made? Every one of them, China, Germany and China. Still ahead, what Donald Trump thinks of Biden and the Dems vaccine mandates. Plus, his take on the latest caravan heading towards the southern border and how it can be stopped. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Justice. We return now to my exclusive interview with President Donald Trump, covering everything from Dr. Fauci to the latest migrant caravan headed our way. Take a look. Let's talk about um, what's going on in this country with the firing of police officers, firemen, nurses, the ones who were our heroes. They were on billboards all over the country. And now what we've got are, you know, we're talking about vaccinating kids who were five years old to 12 years old and then forcing them to continue to wear masks. Um, Our heroes are being fired. They're losing their jobs. Are you sorry you didn't fire Anthony Fauci? Well, it's not because of him they're losing their job. It's because of some bad policies that are being made by the Biden administration. But look, if you look at my relationship with Fauci, first of all, he's been there like for 40 years. So you walk in and, you know, he goes, hi, my name's Tony. Oh, great. Hi, Tony. How you doing? (laughs) But everything he told me to, you know, suggested that we do, I didn't do. I went the opposite. He wanted to keep China open. I closed it to China. We would have lost. Fauci wanted to keep China open? Oh, yeah, for a long time. And he actually said President Trump saved thousands and thousands of lives. I was the only one. I was sitting in a room with many, many people. I said, we have to close it to China. I then closed it to Europe because I saw what was going on in Europe. And we saved thousands of lives. And what I did do, and we want freedom, and we want all of this, and this was a great achievement, though, worldwide, Because I think you would have had a 1917, like the Spanish flu, where 100 million and maybe 100 million people died. I got the vaccine done, three vaccines in less than nine months. They said it was going to take five years and it probably wouldn't get done. I got them done and they do work and they're great. I'm very proud of them. But people shouldn't be forced to take them. You must have seen this week as this caravan is coming. The biggest anyone's ever seen. Yeah, more than Del Rio. Okay, this caravan fighting with the Mexican National Guard, forcing their way through. How do we stop this? And when they get here, what do Americans do? They're here. So the wall would have stopped them. So the only thing they can do is to go. They're letting them in. I I know. The wall would have stopped them. The only thing they can do is go to small areas where the wall was going to be completed over the next month. I mean, it would have been completed almost immediately. They just had to finish it. But now. Okay. before we start that, let me just tell you, these are rough people. They were going through the Mexican police who were tough. They're tough police. They were lined up. They thought they could stop them. You look at that front few lines of the people there on this on this caravan. 
a name I came up with because I saw some caravans, but they were tiny and we ended it. We stopped the caravans. We made sure. Now what's happened is they're talking about one caravan, 120,000 people are going to be for 100. That's like that's like an army. If you look at that front line, they look like they belong in the NFL. In fact, they should be signed, some of them, for the NFL. You look at, they burst through tough Mexican police who tried to stop them. They, they had no chance. We have to stop them. We can stop them, but we have to get very tough. But we cannot let, our country is being poisoned. It's being poisoned. And you know what else? It's being poisoned also with drugs. We had fentanyl, fentanyl. down to the lowest number since its founding, because fentanyl, if you look, it's worse than anything. It's it the worst. It's a killer. Much of it's made in China. And I had him just about stopped. I said, look, we're not doing any business. If you're going all of a sudden, they're making fentanyl like crazy. They're sending it through the border. The numbers on fentanyl have gone up tenfold. I had it not not stopped, but I had it almost stopped when we would have had the wall completed and a couple of other things. I would have had it down to, to almost nothing. The fentanyl and drugs generally are pouring through our border. People that are very sick are coming into our country. Very contagious diseases, many different diseases, many. not just COVID. By the way, COVID is peanuts compared to some of these diseases. They're pouring through our country. They are destroying these these leaders. If you call them leaders, they're destroying our country. Well, and, and the saddest part of it is they're here. And if it's 1.7 million that we've counted, you can I, I imagine it's just as many who got through it who were runaways. You can multiply times seven. Right. I don't know if you know that number. So if they have 1.7, they say you multiply times seven. That's the number that come in unchecked, totally unchecked. Really? And the other thing, so you're talking about you're talking about tens of millions of people over a relatively short period of time. Over a two year period of time, we would have more than 10 million people coming into our country. Our country can never be the same. Right. Our country is changed already. Do you have a plan to go to the border to boost morale there? Well, I've gone to the border many times. I mean, I don't. Are you going again? Well, I just got back. I was there recently. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw what Biden said. He was there sometime, but he yeah, wasn't 2008, there. Yeah, 2008, but he, he, yeah. he wasn't there. I don't think yeah, he, he was even there. He said he doesn't have time. No, I've been to the border many times. I don't think it helps for me at this moment to go. I'm not the president. He's the president. He's got to go to the border. The Border Patrol people are incredible, okay? When I was there a few months ago, I was there like three months ago, they're so incredible. ICE people, so, and they're tough people. They have to be tough they people. Have to be. They You're love right. our country. You know, they really want to do their job. That's the amazing thing. It would be easier if they didn't. They want to do their job. They're tough people, but they're great patriots, and they're being treated with tremendous disrespect. Still ahead, President Trump responds to the escalating crime surge in America. Plus, he has a message for Hunter Biden that you don't want to miss. Welcome back to Justice and our exclusive interview with President Donald Trump. We now tackle crime in America, and of course, that includes Hunter Biden. I want to talk about my favorite subject. Go ahead. Crime. They are trying to defund the police, demoralize the police. They're now firing police. Uh, you know, we've got shocking headlines uh, from everything and Biden releasing a gender equity plan to make sure that women are released, uh, eliminating cash bail and all kinds of crimes. Uh, and two San Francisco prosecutors have quit. Chesa Boudin is the D.A. there. Right. I just want to take one second and I want to read this one case. Well, they to quit you. in protest because they say what's going on. Yeah, over here. yeah Sorry, because he's not making a but he's yeah. letting people out. But in one case, a man charged with robbery 
eight prior felony convictions, was released early by the DA, Chesa Boudin, in San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi's playground. He's then arrested four more times for other crimes, but the district attorney's office never charged him. Nine months after he was set free, he hit and killed two women while driving drunk mm-hmm. in a stolen car. This is America today. What can we do about well, this? This is America today. It's only going to get worse because you have all of these millions of people. Many of them are, are the worst people, the worst people. Somebody would say, oh, that's not a nice thing to say. Some of these people are the absolute worst people. But the people DAs are the worst. They don't. All they want to do is indict Republicans. That's all they do. They want to go after Republicans. They use the DAs, the attorney generals, and the federal government. Now, sometimes you have fair people, sometimes you don't. They're good at destroying Republicans. They're horrible at destroying crime. They're letting these people that are killers go out. You look at Chicago, you look look at New York, what's going on with the crime in New York. New York is like a different place. Here's the good news. It could be changed, okay? You know, otherwise it would be so sad. You wouldn't even want to talk about it. But what's Mm -hmm. happened in New York, de Blasio is the worst mayor. It's filthy dirty. People are living on Park Avenue. They're living in tents on in the most incredible streets where people come from all over the world and they pay tax and which gives our police the money. They have to refund the police. They have to give the police more money. Mm-hmm. But what's happening in New York and what's happening in Chicago, where 88 people were shot last month and six died. I don't even know how only six died. Eighty-eight people were shot. Mm-hmm. You look at a weekend they had a little while ago where they had a weekend, a Labor Day weekend, where many people were shot. Let's talk about Hunter Biden and his special counsel. This week, Merrick Garland was asked again about whether or not to investigate Hunter Biden. Again, Hunter Biden, who couldn't get his art, so-called art, listed in any gallery until his father became president, now selling at the same prices as a Monet or a Degas. Yeah. No special counsel. That's no, got to eat look, it. I think Jim. that's the least of it. But the art, the art is so terrible. So he's getting a half a million dollars a painting. Right. And I was seeing that a Monet half was a getting less. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's such a terrible situation. And we're not going to learn who the buyers are. Should I buy one? But isn't It'll Hunter give me great Biden, access to the White House. They say that, they, that there's, a, there's a wall. They have no idea. But there are people who are actually coming to the uh, exhibits. So, <laughs> First of all, the concept of it is ridiculous. And you said it couldn't get in the past. I don't think he ever painted before. I think he just started. So he's learning by the numbers. And, and let me tell you, I believe that as bad as that is, it's, it's peanuts compared to other things, okay? Mm-hmm. But... It's yeah. so obviously horrible. I've had people say that's a terrible thing. That is a terrible thing. What's going on? And they're getting numbers like nobody has a lot ever of money. gotten. A lot of money. Yeah, nobody's in. gotten. In fact, I'm thinking about opening up my own gallery. You I'm are. It, yeah, I'm going to. How much do, are you going to charge? I think a couple of million dollars of painting. Yeah. If he gets five hundred, who are you going to paint? I'll paint whatever the hell I have to paint <laughs> to get two million dollars. Mr. President, thank you so much for having us here at this beautiful uh, Mar-a-Lago, and thank thank you you for taking the time for us. Thank you, Janine. Thank you very much. How awesome was it to watch him talk and just be adorable, right? In the meantime, while he was talking and I was listening, I was going through, okay, so uh, so let me just give you some dirt. Let's spill tea, right? Okay. We haven't talked for (laughs) a while, so let's spill some tea. So I was like looking around and someone sent me a text. And they were like, oh, my God, Um, they had a bunch of stuff and secret texts. 
And again, it comes from, um, from people that people should have been paying attention to. You know what? Let's talk about that tomorrow. <sighs> Let's talk about it tomorrow. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Um, I want to talk about it tomorrow because <clears throat> it'll be more fun tomorrow. Let's talk about the amazing stuff we did today. In order to understand the amazing stuff we did today, I think it's important that we take a really quick break uh, with a music video only because I want to get some water and um, uh, get some things lined up. All right, here we go for our intermission with a little bit of Dax. How's that? Dax is pretty cool. He's been making some pretty awesome music lately. Let's go. I couldn't breathe, now I'm suffocating Maybe the pressure from the fame isn't worth what I'm chasing I don't know I used to say God's playing Now the devil's on my team acting foul and it's all flagrant Trying to push me off the path that I'm steady paving Sin is the currency and every day I'm making payments I don't want to live in it But I heard a saying good knows evil Cause the houses are both adjacent I don't know if I should go for these goals I've seen people gain the world but lose their souls My anxiety is building as the weight of it grows I seclude myself in privacy inside my home and I barely answer calls and when I see my phone I'm reminded that the real feeling of being alone Is having millions who love you but can leave you Or say that they hate you at the moment they don't fuck with a song I used to laugh it off, now I hold my breath and suffocate Then I sit and wait, just to see if I can kill the hate And as I'm flitting I see God at the heaven's gates And come back down to fight another day Then I grab that same phone and smile and wave And pull my empty heart into a song that they won't praise They say patience is the key his music is pretty woke, we have to admit, right? All right, so I know a lot of you want to talk video. It's complete crap. <laughs> You've got Akbar in there. You've got the jihadi in there that stole and hijacked. Stop it. The fucker went and signed up for a company after he was outed, and Gateway Pundit actually did an article because he got caught. You got caught. The minute you start making noise and they have no control over what you say. It's kind of like Patrick Byrne said, we're like the Viet Cong. See, the one thing, you know, I didn't know how to take that. But in a sense, the strategy was genius. And um, I guess they tapped it in more of getting the locals. This is why they couldn't take them out easy, right? That's why he said if, if General Flynn has a digital army and Tori has the Viet Cong, I, <laughs> that I created the Viet Cong, it's because you can't stop it. The awakening isn't something you can stop. It's not something you control. It's not something that you can command. And it's letting the truth out on its own. And it's a lion on its own. It doesn't need help. It doesn't need defending. It doesn't need any stands on its own. So many will throw shit at it. It'll only come back to bite them in the ass later. So bottom line is you are now a massive force to be reckoned with. Okay. Because that's what the truth is. And I guess, you know, with the Viet Cong, what they did, they, they didn't educate people to take it on their own. But they gave people enough information that they wanted to educate them with so that they can fight for an enemy that didn't exist, 
that kind of existed that they needed them to flip. So they educated them with false information. Well, no one's educating you here with any false information. You're getting actual history, actual laws, actual facts, and then you decide if you want to be a spectator or participant. That's the way it is. So today what we had were participants. I'll tell you what happened. So obviously there's a lot of people, media specifically, that are in every single group. I know that the that the admins of the channel have been banning people that have, you know, commonalities. I mean, do you guys know that the old admin of Colorado, some chick named Linda, she kicked out like three times. She actually created a give, send, go with my stuff on it, asking people for like, I think it's like a million dollars or a hundred million dollars for the Ritz. I kid you not. I kid you not. Right. I just have to ask my lawyers to get with give, send, go to contact them. But these are things that people do, you know, um, and don't think of the repercussions that can happen to me because I haven't sat and said, you know, don't or this or that, right? Uh, it's, 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 it's horrific. I know that a lot of people are like, you know, this, that, you know, if I want something, I want to do a fundraiser, but I can't. Do you know why I can't? I can't. Because then everyone's going to be like, ah, oh, the attorney general of North Dakota. That's why when Millie was arrested, I couldn't run a GoFundMe for her. People would have attacked me for it. So I was actually quite lucky. You say, um, create issues around you to cause you harm. Like I know that uh, Michael Poole has put together something for Phoebe because um, I don't have to buy her car. And that's very kind of him. Um, I didn't ask. I think, you know, sometimes friends and people just do things. And I'm not knocking on that. But what I'm knocking on is, you know, when people, uh, you know, take me and then use me to benefit themselves. And it's not benefiting the people. And they're not doing it um, because they want to find out or they want to write a story. It's because they want to create a narrative, uh, a very nasty one. So this operation for SCOTUS was completely under wraps. I'm going to tell you this. The SCOTUS filing was not written by any attorney. No one was an attorney that wrote it. Not one. Uh, we got guidance from attorneys because it needed to be all about the people uh, on how to formulate it, like, uh, you know, the structure, the font, because they're very finicky about that. But people sat down and it was one person from every state that we knew inside and out that they would say nothing. So there's been one person in your state room that has told you nothing about this because they weren't allowed to. And each and every one of them are named on um, this filing. And I want to uh, pull it up for you guys so you can see it. It's um, quite fascinating the way it came together and the way it was done. I could tell you it's very difficult to print so many pages at once. I'm going to be dead honest. Like I had over 11,000 pages printed that then had to be collated that then had to be stuffed in envelopes. It didn't fit in regular envelopes. So it was, it was, it was pretty hard. I'm going to admit it was hard. It was difficult, but it happened. It took forever in a day. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really excited because 
the work that was put into this by the people is just incredible. So I want you guys to see what has been done. So as I said, uh, SCOTUS actually, uh, they have created Supreme Court rules that discriminate against pro se litigants. Rule 28.8 of the Supreme Court dictates that oral arguments may be presented only by members of the bar of this court. And that's basically discriminatory rule uh, that, you know, um, against anyone that's unrepresented. And everyone should have the same right to be represented. So the phrase equal justice under law, which is engraved <laughs> as you walk into the Supreme Court, is really not true. But that happened in other times. And how would it be applied? It could be challenged. And I guarantee you that if they allow us to be heard and they say that oral arguments cannot happen, I know a lot of people hate me for this. Mama, dig my heels in and say, no, Rule 28.8 is against our Constitution. This is the People's Court. So here it is. Here's the, here's the writ. These are all the people that filed, one person from every state, and here are the people that are the defendants. Every single Secretary of State, in some states, it's, um, uh, you know, lieutenant governors <coughs> of every state. And it's emergency application for injunction. Just skip through all that. Um, parties to the proceeding, all the names, states, blah, blah. Still going. Corporate disclosure. No one has a corporation. And here are the table of contents, table of authorities, the jurisdiction, and the statements of the case. Look at that. <laughs> so, and why we asked for the injunction. I'm going to read it to you guys that are listening on the podcast. Just the introduction, okay? And this is to the Honorable Clarence Thomas. And the reason that is happening is because alphabetically Alabama is the first. Therefore, they're in the district of Clarence Thomas. So, Justice Thomas would be the one that you are applying to. Okay. So I hope you um, understand it so far. Hold on. Let me see if there are any questions while I go. Screen is black. I see that now. Hmm. That's interesting. What happened? Okay. Let's see. Huh. There we go. Okay. Can you guys see the screen now? Is that good? All right. So let me explain to you before I delve into this. So someone had to go down to D.C. and file it. Everyone was calling the clerks and they were like, we're not accepting. You need to do mail, FedEx, a stupid box in a creepy room, something. So I was like, you know, what? just fucking go down there. They can't tell you you can't go into the court. It's in freaking session. And you're going to go and file it and you're going to tell them it's an emergency writ. So uh, women from all over, women, women. Florida, Delaware, Virginia, West Virginia, all met together. And they went to the local UPS where I had sent the writ, the final writ to be printed. And I also sent my declaration, which said, I declare that I've mailed out, you know, by today, all of these were mailed out to um, all the attorney generals that are representing the secretary of states, right? So <clears throat> signed that, sent it, and they filed it. And they went there, and the lady said that 
Um, you know, actually, I should have had him on to tell you guys. But I, I think Carrie was telling me that um, they were very pleasant. Uh, they said, I don't know if they're expecting us. They should. People have been calling all week. Um, they said this is an emergency writ. They took one of the clerk said, yes, this is an emergency writ. Then they got this clear bag. They put all of them because they had to do 12 copies. And then the one copy that they had, the 13th one, they got it stamped that it was received. And that was it. So we're going to call for the case number. Obviously, we shouldn't call. This is an emergency writ. So hopefully they call us to um, brief them. See, a lot of people talk about the main, uh, you know, uh, filing and why it failed. Uh, it's because they weren't briefed. So what we made sure was to say that we are ready to brief you whenever you want. You call us at 2 a.m., we'll pick up the phone, unlike Hillary Clinton, and we will brief you on this if you like. Whatever you want, we brief. Now, I'm, I, I think that maybe they'll hear us out. Will they grant the restraining order? Maybe not. Maybe they will. But here's what we wrote. Applicants who represent the voices of the people across all 50 of the United States of America, the people, respectfully ask the court at this critical moment in American history to hear our pleas. Given that Alabama is the first alphabetically among all states, we specifically request that Justice Thomas consider this emergency application for injunctive relief pursuant to Rule 22 of the court rules. The Supreme Court of the United States is the highest tribunal in the nation for all cases and controversies arising under the constitution of our great nation. The applicants, the people, have exhausted all remedies afforded to us on a local, state, and federal nation can survive a legislative branch and or executive branch that acts outside the color of law as the people are able to remove them and remedy the concerns through elections or through other lawful means, but a judicial branch acting, a branch acting outside of Article 3 is very dangerous and not something the people are able to remedy. In fact, that is the perfect recipe for tyranny. We are petitioning this court, the highest court in our land, because it is this very institution that guards and protects the foundations of our nations. At the outset, we submit that the courts are acting outside the guidelines of Article 3, bringing politics, personal interests, and public relations as a bench to rule from rather than the law. The people have filed state-level lawsuits, petitioned their elected representatives, provided affidavits, provided evidence, petitioned the federal courts, and have even filed writs of mandamus in their respective Supreme Courts to remedy injuries that have been executed knowingly or unknowingly and willingly or unwillingly by those in elected and appointed positions with the authority to implement, enforce, and or change our federal and state constitutional rights and laws. However, in many cases, it appears that some government officials have weaponized the judicial branch to interfere with the administration of justice. For example, as discussed herein, U.S. District Court Judge Amy Tottenberg continues to prohibit access to a vital document that would shine a beacon of light on election integrity concerns plaguing this nation. Her decision seems to be protecting politicians, private corporations, and other entities at the expense of the American people. We are petitioning this court at this moment precisely 
Because of such injustices carried by federal, state, and local officials, including the nation's court system. The First Amendment guarantees us the right to redress our grievances. The courts have made it difficult for the people to do so. In many recent instances, the people have sought to protect their own rights as well as the legal rights of their minor children by utilizing the guarantees set forth by both the federal and state constitutions. However, judges along the way have continuously insisted that pro se litigants are not welcome in a court of law and that, and have attempted to pressure such litigants into undertaking the costly endeavor of retaining an attorney. In fact, these judges appear to have engaged in discrimination against the American people by restricting their access to court buildings and electronic filing systems, reserving those privileges solely for the members of the respective bars. The list of infractions committed against the American people seeking to exercise their constitutional rights continues to grow in both number and severity. For example, in Louisiana, a citizen attempting to seek remedy from a federal district court was intimidated upon arrival and sent to an unlit room that contained a simple box that she had to feel around for in the dark to drop off her pleading constitutional rights of their children. However, in many cases, the respective requests for injunctive relief were not heard in short order, in some cases not even within two or three weeks, because the judges apparently did not believe that the parents' concerns for their children's well-being warranted timely judicial action. In addition, when petitioning the Minnesota Attorney General about election discrepancies, the petitioners were deemed domestic terrorists for questioning their authority. Furthermore, when the constituent reached, requested that the North Dakota Secretary of State ensure that the DMV records exclude non-U.S. citizens on voter rolls, the secretary called the constituent a racist and immoral. Moreover, in another instance, when a citizen was probed and searched with secret subpoenas, the judge mocked the citizen for questioning the right of the attorney general to do so as if she had no rights. And perhaps the most egregious example of judicial impropriety. The Arizona Supreme Court received a filing from a pro se realtor who mistakenly filed a writ of mandamus in the Supreme Court instead of a lower state court, as, it, as, it, uh, as is apparently required by Arizona law. Instead of simply dismissing the writ for lack of jurisdiction or improper venue, the Arizona Supreme Court issued an opinion denying the relief requested even though it was improper for the court to do so. Like the American People's Trust, in the national election system, the people's faith in the nation's judiciary is waning. And this is why the people come to this court with an emergency action, because the United States Supreme Court is the ultimate authority in the law of the land and is entrusted with upholding the constitutionally protected rights of the people. Justice Thomas, sovereignty resides with the people. We express the people's voice through our elected representatives operating within constitutional constraints. The people of this sovereign nation, having not received justice regarding the 2020 election, petition the Supreme Court of the United States to, to redress in this matter. The people voted to duly elect a leader of our republic and have been deprived of our constitutional right to carry out this duty. Our consciousness will not allow us to sit idly and watch our beloved nation be destroyed while our constitutional rights are stripped away due to a lack of election integrity, government accountability, and transparency. In the words of Justice Antonin Scalia, more important than your obligation to follow your conscience, or at least prior to it, is your obligation to form your conscience correctly. Do we stand on the United States Constitution and the principles set forth 
therein? Is the United States Constitution simply a piece of paper that is adhered to when convenient? Or is the United States Constitution, in fact, the supreme law of the land? We believe the Constitution, especially our Bill of Rights, is what makes our great nation, the United States of America, the beacon of light through the darkness enshrouding the world. Supreme Court justices swore an oath before God to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. I'm just saying, I hope they remember their oath. Additionally, the justices swore to administer justice without respect to a person's and do equal right to the poor and to the rich, and that they will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform all the duties incumbent upon them when taking the judicial oath. The people have faith in this institution as our last line of defense. The Republic endures, and this is the symbol of its faith. These were the very words spoken by Chief Justice Charles Evans Hughes in laying the cornerstone for the Supreme Court building on October 13, 1932. We request that the court support and defend the United States Constitution and faithfully and impartially discharge justice at this crucial moment of our nation's history. We have found that freedom presently exists solely on paper. We have petitioned our school boards, city councils, county commissioners, judges, state governors, attorney generals, congressmen, senators, and representatives. We have filed suits in state supreme courts, federal district courts, and have been afforded no legal remedy. We have been harassed, denied access, and labeled domestic terrorists by our own government. The most dangerous breach of our rights is the inability to be heard in the people's courtrooms. On December 8, 2020, the state of Texas filed a motion for leave to file a bill of complaint in which the states of Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Utah intervene with the support of amicus curiae applications filed by Alabama, Florida, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Indiana, Kansas, Montana, South Dakota, Tennessee, and West Virginia. These states allege that the states of Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin violated the United States Constitution by changing election procedures through non-legislative means. On December 11th, the Supreme Court issued an order denying the state of Texas motion for leave for lack of standing under Article 2 of the Constitution. Specifically, the court noted that Texas has not demonstrated a judicially cognizable interest in the matter in which another state conducts in its, its elections. Justice Thomas wrote in his dissent the state, in, in the case of the state of Texas versus Pennsylvania. Here we have the opportunity to do so almost two years before the next federal election. Our refusal to do so by hearing these cases is befuddling. One wonders what this court waits for. We failed to settle this dispute before the election and thus provide clear rules. Now we again fail to provide clear rules for future elections. The decision to leave election law hidden beneath a shroud of doubt is baffling. By doing nothing, we invite further confusion and erosion of voter confidence. Our fellow citizens deserve better and expect more of us. I respectfully dissent. Sadly, Justice Thomas's words are all too well capture the reality of the United States of America. Confidence in the integrity of our nation's election system continues to plummet as many Americans are faced with the catch-22 of either refraining from participating in the democratic process by choosing their elected leaders or participating in an election system 
that over the past years has proven to be utterly unreliable. However, since the court issued its decision on Texas versus Pennsylvania, much has changed in this nation. Although the principles of law germane to that case remain the same, the instant lawsuit does not center on one state expressing grievance on how another state conducts its elections. Rather, this lawsuit is founded upon the irrefutable evidence that has come to surface in recent months and years, all of which demonstrates the severe integrity issues that are broadly plaguing the nation's election system. Justice Thomas recently addressed the present, of our cli the present climate of our judicial system, saying, the court was thought to be the least dangerous branch and we may have become the most dangerous. He also warned against destroying our institutions because they don't give us what we want when we want it. Our, our, our founding fathers had foreseen that a time would come when the government would overreach its power and no longer have the consent of the people. Within the Declaration of Independence, the original framers stated, Whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. The people have been patient. We have sought remedy in all available channels. However, the greater majority would rather turn a blind eye and to make changes that would ultimately rock the proverbial boat. Fear has no place in the law, just as fraud has no place in elections. In United States versus Throckmorton, it was stated, fraud vitiates everything. And a judgment equally with a contract, that is, a judgment obtained directly by fraud, and not merely by a judgment founded on fraudulent instrument. For in general, the court will not Go again into the merits of an action for the purpose of detecting and annulling the fraud. When it's appropriate time, to, when is it a, a, an appropriate time to address this matter? The people believe that the time is now, given tomorrow, November second, twenty twenty-one. The American people will once again be subjected to broken election systems. The people respectfully request that the court grant our emergency application for injunction in joining all nationwide elections or in the alternative prohibiting the respondents from acting on the results of any such elections until such time that the court may hear the party's arguments and issue a final ruling on its merits. So then we go into how they have jurisdiction and then the statesman, the statements of the case and how uh, we believe and we know from the evidence we have that we have issues with our elections. So we cited the Maricopa County audit. So that was number one. Mike Lindell Cyber Symposium. That was number two. Um, we also, wait, no, that was number two. Pima County was another one. Mike Lindell Cyber Symposium. Uh, we also cited Patriots for Delaware. Uh, we cited Sheriff Christopher Schmeling from Wisconsin. And... <clears throat> We also cited my affidavit with the VSTLs, but in this, we also mentioned this. Ms. Maris has already subpoenaed U.S. District Judge 
Amy Tottenberg for a report that she sealed in the matter of Donna Curling at Al versus Brad Raffensperger at Al, Northern District, Georgia, in 2017. In this matter, Judge Tottenberg ordered the sealing of a 25,000-word report commissioned by Election Integrity Group, of which one that was authored by J. Alex Halderman. Under penalty and perjury, a University of Michigan computer science professor who has testified numerous times on Capitol Hill about U.S. election integrity. Mr. Halderman declared that Georgia's ballot marking devices suffer from specific highly exploitable vulnerabilities that allow attackers to change votes despite the state's purported defenses, all by using malware. Mr. Halderman was given 12 weeks of access to an unused Dominion ICX voting machine, according to the court documents. And Judge Tottenberg, acting on her own accord, sealed the report, citing strong reluctance to draw public scrutiny to the sensitive details in this case, disallowing even election integrity groups to openly advocate disclosure of the report. In a hearing of July 26, 2021, it was mentioned that Dominion refused the report so that it is not discovered during discovery and that the vulnerabilities depicted in the report filed by Mr. Halderman under penalty and perjury has been sealed at the expense of the people of the United States to benefit the private company Dominion and politicians of the state of Georgia. Now, we have made that public record. We have made that. Why does it keep taking off the screen? I'm so sorry, you guys, um, but I'm reading it. So that's the same, right? And then we also mentioned the used to buy letters that you guys did. Uh, when I saw that campaign that you guys just spontaneously put out there, I was I was just overjoyed. I was so proud that you all took such a leap uh, to put it together. Um, now the reasons, uh, we have noted the reasons for granting the injunction again, is it's very well written for people that are not lawyers. Now we did cite cases. We did, we did cite the laws. The bottom line is it's not that fucking complicated. These people have been cheating for a long time. They're always cheating. We're, we're, we're not free. And the first amendment doesn't just talk about free press and wearing a tutu if you want to on a Friday, okay? Or identifying however you want or saying shit on a soapbox. Your voice is your vote. Your vote represents your voice. You give your vote to someone that you believe will be speaking for you. When they steal that voice from you, they take away from you your First Amendment right. This is why they're so crazed about taking away your Second Amendment, because the Second Amendment is second for a reason. It's there to protect the first, okay? <coughs> so the All Writs Act, 28 U.S.C., 1651, authorizes an individual justice or the court to issue an injunction in existence circumstances when the legal rights at issue are indisputably clear. So hopefully we get something. If we don't, that's okay too, right? That's okay too. We've made it clear that we will go to the highest court of the land. Remember that story from the Bible where the woman kept going to the judge and he just kept sending her away and then she kept going again and sending her away, right? And suddenly he was like, fine, forget it. Just give her whatever she wants. Make her stop. Right. Again, we're going to keep coming at them. We're not going to let up at all until it gets done. Now, there is something that I can't tell you much about 
but every single state next week, we will be having a meeting because I guess we got to have, we got to be thankful for, for some stuff. So we're going to be talking about that without giving you details for very specified reasons, but we're going to be on the ready right before. Well, we'll talk about that later. So I just want to tell you guys, you know, when I see people saying, oh, it's not going to go anywhere. The courts are corrupt. Yeah. So they're corrupt. Out of 10 judges that are corrupt, one's all right. You may find that one all right. For me, right, my Ohio case in the Supreme Court, one of the AGs already pulled out. They, like, pulled themselves out of the case. Huh. One AG left. He pulls out. That means that the governor needs to go find himself his own attorney, which is going to happen. Because next week, I'm going to, well... I'm going to leave it at that. Not next week. It's this week. It's Monday, right? I'm going to get it done this week. Whatever. I got to catch up. I do things that I expect my fellow citizens to do too. I'm not here telling you what to do. I'm demonstrating to you what every citizen should be doing. And that's holding every single one of these people accountable. That's ensuring that every single one of them do it. Today, I spent the whole day with paper, right? Coughing like crazy and everyone looking at me. I was like, stop, did COVID like, you know, I have to give it to my, to my friend, Nate. So when we were in a store and I was like, God, everybody thinks that it's like COVID because I'm coughing. Like what happened to, to the flu or bronchitis or, or allergies? And, you know, he was like, yep, maybe we should give a Nobel Peace Prize to COVID because it cured every other fucking cold you can have and every other ailment you can have and cough is now COVID. So it's cured all of them. So it should get a Nobel Peace Prize. But anyway, so I went through that harassment going out, which I didn't like because when I get into those coughing fits because my throat is healing, so it's really itchy, right? It's one of those coughs where if you cough, you're like red, you're crying, you can't stop. And if you haven't used the bathroom, you're definitely peeing yourself. And this is just for my ladies out there. They know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's like that kind of cough. It's like violent. Like my abs are tight from coughing. So um, I sat there and, and we went through all the paperwork and put it together and stuffed it in envelopes, try to figure it out. And went to one post office and it was closing, went to the next post office, it was closing until we got to the main post office where there's some hot post, you know, what's money. <laughs> so as I was paying and I was like, damn, I'm getting raped by the USPS. And I was there filing shit, right. <coughs> and sending stuff off <coughs> to fix shit that they, they help make, right. They help do this. All this right now, you know, selected administration, installed administration, the things I've been telling you for months, that he's been selected, right? The postal workers helped. So anyway. Um, while I was there, uh, we were talking with the lady, and I was like, yeah, you know, uh, I saw cop cars, something happened. I don't even run. And the conversation went and I was like, you know, if they ever come for me, I want a postal, a postal officer to come get me. And <clears throat> I was like, what, why? And I was like, what? Steve Bannon got chased down by a, 
postman. I want a hot mailman in shorts to chase me down and arrest me. You know, I don't want some pudgy cop or some smug, you know, wannabe FBI guy. I want a hot postal worker with shorts and shit running after me. So as we were saying this, I'm checking out and who's at the door watching us because we're the only two people standing in the post office, a freaking postal officer. Of course, I had to get a selfie, okay? Because he was like, oh, you're open late and we're here for security. And I was like, damn, I said I wanted you, not that quick. Uh, but I thought I'd share that. So <clears throat> I spent the whole day doing all that, um, putting it together. I had a handwrite because they're all certified mail. You know, the one where they stamp and they cut you off that piece because it's for a court case, right? So I had to do them all serve. I had to write my address and their address, right? 50 times. And then, oh God, it was so bad. It was so bad. Um, but we got it done. We got it done. Before the clock ran out, it was done. Yeah, the, the, the postal officer was a hottie. So we got it done, though. And, <coughs> I mean, I was doing all the writing because, you know, he can't write for shit. Like, he's he's better on keyboards. Um, and I'm also anal about stuff. You know, when you want something done, you just do it yourself because then I'll just freak out and I'll just be like super mean and stuff. And it's like I get I get really irritated when I don't have control over something and I feel responsible for it. I was like more worried that I was going to drop the ball and they can't file in SCOTUS because the ladies were there and they filed it and they did it on all on behalf of all of us. Now, that was more of a of a plea to the court of desperation. It wasn't in an attempt to, you know, make an artful case of do this. Obviously, if we are granted, you better bet your ass that we're going to bring a lawyer to, 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 to get in on this, okay? We got them ready. We got them ready. But um, what we need is to be heard. That's the problem that we have. No one's listening. Not even the people that are supposedly supporting the people of the United States right now and supposedly on our side and wanting freedom and guns and liberty and free choice and all this shit. Where are they listening to us? This is why we have to take down the GOP. I don't give a shit what anybody says. We need to take that shit down because it feels like they're constantly telling us again, guiding us into the pen of what we should be saying and what we should be doing. And that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We're not being heard even by the people that pretend they're going to hear us. And and you know what? We shouldn't give a fuck if they hear us or not. We're listening to each other. And we are making the decisions in our communities, in our cities, in our states, and in our nation. And the minute you realize, you know where you realize how important this is? Um, and we have the audio for this. <coughs> Attorney General Jeff Landry. Um, his campaign guy got in touch with constituents in Louisiana because they wrote the use of by letter and his response. And what he said to them was, you've been sending these letters and that's hurting him. I'm not going to let you take away his governorship with your letters. You're sending letters. So this is a problem. He told another constituent you sent us too many letters and you're complaining, so we're not going to talk to you. Wait, what? I'm sorry. 
You mean the letters are effective? You mean they become public record and you can't hide them? You mean when the postman turns up with a bag of thousands of letters that are telling you to go fuck yourself and they're going to remove you? You don't want to see it? Well, guess what? That means we're going to be raining on your parade. We're going to take our pens and we're going to shower you with all the letters we want. In fact, if I lived in Louisiana, I'd be putting billboards up with just that statement, right? I would also talk about how Monkey Island, you know, how all that shit with Hunter Biden happened there. Cause I do know that Finney and you know, Joe Biden. And so when someone says, well, you know, I need all the dirt and Intel, like you heard that guy say, all they have to do is pick up the phone. I'll give them all the dirt and Intel they want. This is so dumb. These people play and pander. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. Look at me. I have a family. I'm amazing. And with great teeth. No, we don't care if you're toothless. We don't care if you've had a million wives and have, you know, six baby mamas. What we care about, right, is what you do for the people and how you represent us and how accountable you are for things that happen in your backyard. So while you're attorney general, how did all that shit happen? Oh, I didn't see it. Which part didn't you see? The fact that there was no RFP and some people that were Americans got the contract, but only two of them were Americans. The rest were Kazakhstanis hmm, that built all the property. But, and um, what part didn't you realize that the Chinese were dumping a shit ton of money in our energy and actually own that shit until 2025 and we can't get rid of them? Okay. And who helped you not see that? Was it when you were meeting with people with Biden? Was it with Finney? Like, let's get this straight. I want to clarify this. Let's just, let's just dumb it down to the point where you could tell me where the fuck you didn't see it. Cause I don't see how you didn't see that. So there's, there's, there's many conversations that we can have with our governors, with our mayors, right? Because right now in Cleveland, they're going to vote to give the police force to Black Lives Matter. Are you fucking kidding me? Did they forget what Black Lives Matter did in downtown Cleveland when they decided that they needed Nike milk and Chanel bread and, you know, TVs because they need to feed their baby? You know, stuff like that. These are the things we should be taking care of. And I would never say, hey, go out and do this if I'm not willing to do it. I would never say, hey, uh, you know, I'm doing this if I'm not willing to do it. A lot of people don't seem to understand that we're at a point in this nation that, huh, you know, rightfully so. The guy said, we're, we're in war. If you don't see that you're at war, you're not getting it. And the only reason you see there's a war now is because you woke up. This war has begun a long time ago. This is the tail end of it. This is where you get that, 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 that's that sprint wind, you know, at the end of the race where you suddenly get this gust of wind and you just annihilate the, the opponent. This is where you're at right now. And the whole world is fucking watching. They sigh out the shit out of the whole planet with a virus. Hmm? With a flu. Tons of people die from the flu every fucking year. 600. What was it? I think I gave you guys the numbers back in 2020. I think, and off the top of my head, six to 7,000 people a day would die from the flu. But then there's no flu and it's six to 7,000 people a day dying from COVID. And now we're all fucking shitting our pants. So, you know, common sense, common sense, whatever. 
people are being let go by their employers because they're like, you need to put the shit in your body. And you're like, fuck you. I don't want to put it in my body. All, even my listeners in my chat are talking like, oh my God, I can't believe this. They're going to vaccinate children. Where the fuck were you in August when I actually showed you the documentation that said they were going to be vaccinating kids five to 11. Also told you that late this summer, you know, in 2022, they want to start vaccinating zero to five. I explained that to you to the T when I told you that they had not gotten any approval except to use a name. I showed you how they pick their cohorts. And speaking of cohorts, right? Where I see all these shocking revelations of sharing shit from other people. Oh my God, look at this. Rich areas get other vaccines and poor. How many times throughout the past four freaking years have I talked about pharmaceutical cohorts and how the poor neighborhoods get the shittier, the placebo, and then they fuck you when it comes to the flu and the pneumonia shots where they test things many times. Again, you're going to be like, well, I don't remember anything or I don't have time to listen to the show. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do your homework for you, you know, and I sit here and have conversations with you because nobody else is having them. There's no one else out there having these conversations with you to tickle that noodle, those six inches between your ears to wake it up so we can start making the right connections. No conversations of intellect. Oh, you know, she's angry and she, and, and she cusses. Well, too bad. you don't like me cussing. You want me to be nice. You want me to be nice. How would you like me to pet your ears with information? Tell me, would you like me to tell you that it's everybody else's fault that you didn't hear it or see it because you were all part of it. You chose to watch your DVR. You chose to not go to your city council. You chose to not go to your school board meeting. You chose not to know who the judge is on the ballot. You chose this. So I don't understand why people are upset. Oh, well, you know, so-and-so, I don't give a fuck what so-and-so says. So-and-so is telling you something. I need to now let whole truth and then shut up. No, you don't. If you want to know the truth, you can go find it. You don't even have to wait for me to tell you. You can go find it. I don't know where to look. Well, that's a problem. Then you just need to be patient. Because if you don't even know where to look, then you don't even know what you're looking at. Then even if you see the truth, you wouldn't even be able to identify it pretty much. That's the way it is. Now, while I hear people opine on politics today, I'm telling you, I give zero fucks on who's being elected who's on the ballot, who's doing anything right now, because that all that shit's going to change. So right now, let them have their cake for like a couple months, <laughs> right? And that's it. It's over. I really don't care who's being elected right now. It doesn't matter because I have no say. Absolutely zero say. It's always been fixed. It's going to continue to be fixed, right? And, you know, and that's the way it is. It's going to continue to be fixed, Nobody gives a shit who's on the ballot right now. Obviously, optics gives a shit, right? If you turn up for so-and-so because so-and-so endorsed, then it means so-and-so still has pull because we're still playing this optics shit, right? We don't need to play optics. They all suck. They're all losers. And we're going to get rid of each and every one of them. I, I, I'm, I'm driving every single time right by a sign 
and these mayors that are running for Cleveland, I'm like, oh my God, take one, smack the other, and you still get no sound because they're both empty. Empty canvases of human. That's it. They have nothing to offer. They kneel, they apologize, and they have nothing to offer. We have people running for Congress across the nation, and they have zero to offer. So how do we fix this? We got to change the system. That's our rightful duty. That is the duty we have. It is literally written in our Declaration of Independence. And how do we do that? Well, they already know. We don't even think Biden's president. Think. We fucking know he's not president. We don't have to think about anything. We don't have to imagination things. He's definitely not our president. You're still pushing that guy. It's like elder abuse, right? He's got diapers on, doesn't know what his name is, and, and he thinks that the Pope is an African-American <laughs> baseball star. Get the fuck out of here. Like, how much more embarrassing does it have to get before we're like, okay, game over? Where the hell is James Ratskin with his whole 25th Amendment shit? Bring it up, dude. You were, you were so jonesing for the 25th Amendment. Here's your go. Let's do it. Here's your go. Let's do it. Because we will eat Kamala Harris for fucking lunch. She won't even last. The minute she gets up there, even Democrats want to remove her ass. Remember, she was the one that said that ICE were Nazis. They were reminiscent. Our officers of ICE that save children from child trafficking are the same as the KKK, if you remember. She won't even last, oh my gosh, a month, and she's out. So, again, how do we get this fixed? By doing shit like this, patriotic shit, by getting together and being in unison. We don't have to agree on everything, but one thing we can agree on is we don't need tools in office anymore. We don't want someone saying, I raised a million dollars. Fuck your million dollars. That doesn't tell me shit. That means you got somebody bankrolling you, and that's a problem for me. Or maybe you can tell me who they are so I can put the logo on your fucking NASCAR suit because that's the way you should be trotting because people need to know who own you. I will, as I have, be fighting for election integrity. I will, as I have, be fighting for transparency. I will do that for me. For me. Because I owe that to my children. I owe that to my country. But then you have to think to yourself. What is it that you're willing to do? Because a lot of people say angry things. Oh, I'm so tired of this. I want this to be, to be done. It doesn't get done like that. Did you ever hear about the Daughters of Liberty? Let me show you about that. Let me show you that for a second. Hopefully it'll stay. A lot of historians look for dramatic changes in the political or legal status as a result of the American Revolution. And in many ways, that did not occur. Women did not vote except in one state. 
they did not get to hold public office. So in that sense, the American Revolution did not result in a major political change or legal change. However, there were some smaller changes. Some states actually legalized divorce because the idea was that marriage was a contract and that um, you know, if women entered into it with men, they could then remove themselves from it. Okay, but uh, the bigger change that occurred is actually in the way women regarded themselves as political agents and in the way other Americans treated them politically. And what emerged from the American Revolution was a concept that's been called Republican motherhood. So according to this idea, women are not allowed to vote or hold public office, but in their roles as wives and mothers, they are regarded as political agents, as political beings. And what this means is that they are treated as people who are important in teaching children about their government, teaching their children about the value of patriotism, teaching um, those that they come in contact with the value of sacrifice for the public good. And for their husbands, they are to encourage their husbands to support the republic, to vote, to run for public office, to serve in the military if necessary. And so even though they are still primarily wives and mothers, their role now has a political valence. Their role as wives and mothers is now regarded as something that makes a contribution to the success of the government and the republic. And so in doing this, people came to realize that women did play a political role in the United States and that to do that most effectively they should actually be educated. Now what this meant in practical terms is that women already in the United States had a fairly high rate of literacy but there was a drive, a push after the American Revolution to allow women to attend school and there were, were many so-called ladies' academies or ladies' seminaries founded. And women were taught not only the ornamental arts like sewing or dancing or music, but also more basic academic subjects, reading and writing and history and mathematics. And they came to be treated as intellectual beings in their own right and to have, to, to be regarded as, as people who had a political role to play in shaping the future of the nation. Women also came to be acknowledged as the protectors of the public good and as, as reformers of society. And so because they were the protectors of virtue and morality, they came to be involved in a lot of organizations that had a public focus, a social reform focus. So women became involved in charitable societies to help widows and orphans. They became involved in the temperance movement. They became involved in Bible societies. And eventually, by the 1830s and 40s, they became increasingly involved in the uh, abolitionist movement and in the first feminist movement, the first women's rights movement. And in the 1840s, we have the first women's rights convention, which met in Seneca Falls, New York, and produced what is called the Seneca Falls Declaration. And the Seneca Falls Declaration is actually modeled on the Declaration of Independence. 
and it says that women deserve the same rights as men. And instead of the king being attacked in the Seneca Falls uh, declaration, it's really men who uh, impetus, they become aware that to do their job the best, they really need political and legal rights. And that is really what leads to this first women's rights movement and the calling of the Seneca Falls Convention. Now, the Seneca Falls Convention did not produce a lot of immediate results, but it represented the flowering of this feminist sentiment and it soon became absorbed into and subsumed by the uh, anti-slavery movement, which was much more pressing for the nation in the 1850s. But after the Civil War, a lot of the women who were involved in the first feminist movement and in the abolitionist movement took up the banner again and began to advocate for women's rights. In other words, the reason that we don't have slavery, let's be frank, Okay, is because women wanted their rights because they were like, dude, like we're the spies in all these revolutionary wars. We're telling people how important it is to be active in government and we're the mama bears and we should have more say. And when they fuck shit up, we need some mama bears around to put them in check because, you know, when there's too much testosterone, there's no balance. Right. So that's the way it is. And if you notice, if you notice, um, a lot of women have taken charge. Women are less likely to listen to the husbands as like, shut up, let's just keep our head down and just do our job and just, you know, why mess shit up? Women are like, yeah, let's fuck shit up. Especially when you get a woman that has kids, she will fuck everything up. And that's the way it goes. So women actually deployed the first PSYOP in history because they utilized slavery as their crutch to bring home their liberation too. I mean, Eve, right? She's the one that said, bite the apple, right? Let's do it. Damn. There's a saying in Greece. If you see a, if you see a boat parked at the top of a mountain, a vagina dragged it there. This is direct translation. If you see a boat at a mountaintop, a vagina dragged it there. Most wars all had women in them. They're so dubious when they find injustices that they go blind. No, 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 no. And this is where the balance is imbalanced. And then we go berserk. Because the one thing is, we all have to know where our strengths are. Are we good at writing, cooking, walking? Fixing shit. Educating. What? I mean, women are great educators. Why? Because we have that fostering nature within us because we carry babies. I'm okay with that. I personally think that's one of the best things to do. There are very few. You know what? Actually, holy crap. I never even thought of this. The best professors that I've had are actually gay. Dang. Like, not the gay, like, I'm in the closet, you can't tell. Like, the gay that you're just like, dude, I can see the fairy dust from here, right? The one that doesn't need a flag, doesn't need to say anything, they just look at you and you know, you know? Best teachers, you know, the ones that you just see it, and it's like, you don't even have to tell me, it's good, you know? There's no no shame, right? <clears throat> Best teachers ever. 
best teachers ever. You know, because it's like, <laughs> let's just, okay. True story here. <laughs> this is so funny. I can't even, I don't know if I've ever said this. Speaking of gay, <clears throat> I was a kid and, um, uh, we were at this really, we were at this, um, bar mitzvah, I think. Right. And they were like a ton of, you know, big wigs, New York, big wigs. I think even the Trumps were invited to that party and all, all of us were there and everyone was talking. And then, you know, because they were so extra, they had like a lot of TV screens to show like music videos. Right. And, um, so everyone's, you know, dancing and everything. And then wham comes on and they start dancing, wake me up before you go, go, you know, and everyone's like all on the party dance floor and stuff. And I'm watching it. And, um, <clears throat> I would sit, it was me, the kid and, and a shit ton of adults that had like their whiskeys and stuff and their cigars and cigarettes and next to my dad, who was across from me. And we're talking big table. We're talking like 15 people. Hey, why don't you go dance? Mm, yeah, not for me. What do you think of the video? And I was like, uh, oh, they, they look pretty cool, don't they? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, they're gay, right? And they were like, no way. And I was like, um, they're wearing shorts and really tight shirts and dancing like girls. They kind of look gay. George Michael gay? Are you kidding? He's amazing. It's like, dang. See, see, like, how do you watch those videos and not think? Did no one know this? Because I remember when people found out that George Michael was gay and they were upset. And I was like, damn, who didn't see that one coming? Come on. Never seen a Wham! video? Like, stop. I'm just saying. <clears throat> it's like nobody cares, right? You could do whatever you want. And I think his, his um, uh, feminine touch that he had... Uh, made him the great artist he was, right? Uh, to each their own, right? Nobody, you're not affecting me. What you do behind closed doors, is it going to affect me eating, sleeping, having a roof over my head, or being healthy? So I really don't care. Unless you're doing it in my bed under my roof, right? And I have to watch you or whatever, participate. That's another story. But anyway, I never, I never realized just how, you know, conditioned people were to not see it. Like the 80s was just filled with like cocaine and gayness. That's all. That's all. That's that's all there was there. I just thought I'd I'd share that because it was funny because there were shit ton of big, you know, powerful New York real estate, you name it, people sitting there saying, What are you nuts? No way. And I was thinking, damn, are all these people, these people are supposed to be smart. Like, oh shit, our world's fucked. <laughs> that's that's what I was thinking. And I, you know, when I when I went toward the back <coughs> to go to go get the um the little ice cream balls that they had, my dad was like gonna come and help and he was like, Why did you say that about the singers? And I was like, They're gay. And he was like, Okay, but you He's like, what do you know about being gay? I was like, means you like the same type of people. How do you know? Well, you know, there was this book. He's like, I don't even want to know. He just stopped me right there. <laughs> don't want to know. Because, you know, I would always be in the library looking at a lot of books. 
um, and most of them were medical books and they were talking about uh, gender dysphoria and, um, you know, they had the cool pictures. I was curious. Okay. So I just watched the medical books <laughs> talking about gayness as if it was a disease. I was so weird. I was like, why? If they like it, you know, it's like someone liking really small people or really big people. There's people that are attracted to like people that can't even see their feet. Right. So, um, anyway, whatever. <clears throat> anyway, having said that funny story, I think it's funny, uh, but it was a little bit shocking for me because I just thought, damn, the world is going to hell. These people really think that this guy's not gay. But anyway, uh, yeah, village people, that's another one. This is the blindness, though, that a lot of people even today have in regards to our reality. No matter how you see it, right? People have, you know misconceptions of what reality is. You know, there were a lot of people that were telling me, you know, how could you say this about so-and-so? They're so righteous and kind. And I'm like, actually, they're perverted and this and that. But okay. And then it's like, suddenly it gets revealed. And they're like, how do you know? And it's like, how do you not know? The reason is, is that people are not perceptive to reality. Because you've been so conditioned to follow what others tell you is reality. You've lost contact with your gut. Your gut will tell you everything you need to know. Do I put my finger in a socket? You don't need someone to tell you you don't need to be putting it there, right? You more than likely 90% know that would be a bad idea. You don't need signs or anybody scolding you. You can make that you know, come to that conclusion. You know, you don't need someone telling you that when you lean over a balcony on the 20th floor, there's a chance that you will fall, right? You don't need anyone to tell you that. It's something called common sense. So when you walk into a situation where you feel that your voice isn't being heard, right? Where you feel that uh, someone is talking down to you or they know best, and you're thinking, wait a minute, you need me to vote for you, but you know best. Your gut tells you, ah, uh, yeah, fuck that. See, this is the gut you have to follow. The fuck that, right? This is how things change the minute you listen to your gut. I don't know, you know, the meta thing. Oh, meta, meta. Dude, this is afterlife shit, right? I told you to watch the movie Upload, I think... Over a year ago, uh, the the TV show, I think that Jackson was playing it on Twitch when I was sick. You guys need to watch that because that's some real shit. I've told you I'm upgrade. You take it as you want. People always tell you who they are, right? This is reality. I Many of you are trapped there. You're fucked. <laughs> oh, man. PayPal now applies laws of the EU and the UK, but they're an American company. Are they? So many questions you should be asking that when it comes to you, you should just sit there and be like, all right, this sounds really wrong. So I'm just going to look the other way and say, Psh. just follow your gut. When someone's sitting there, you know, I, I think I saw a message uh, maybe like 30 minutes ago fly by. And he said, like, not to do the canvassing. Like, all this stuff will be taken. What are you going to do with the canvassing? Who's going to fucking listen to you? 
We have so many, so much evidence, let's say, right? There's a judge that has been sitting on information and sealed that shit. Because she's like, oh, we don't want it getting in the wrong hands because then Dominion's going to be in trouble. And Dominion's like, fuck that. We don't need that because we're going to be sued and we don't need to have that come out in discovery. And it's like, there's nothing to see here? All these people that were arrested for, for election fraud? Nothing to see there either? Don't you get it? There's a shit ton of evidence. Canvassing isn't going to do anything. It's just going to make people rich going around telling you we're looking at the numbers right? You're not getting anything out of it. You're just getting the satisfaction that there's more numbers. You don't need more fucking numbers. The shit's sitting somewhere in the Pentagon on the third floor, West Wing, in a box. They already know. They already know. And like they said, we're not going to let people choose their leaders. They're too stupid to do that. No, President Trump was not because they let it happen, but because they had no choice. President Trump, the votes he got, he got a shit ton more than Hillary. A shit ton. She didn't get the popular vote. You have to ask yourself, why the fuck didn't she contest it? No, because they got busted. I was hoping that they would have contested it. I was hoping they would have said something. So that way, it could have been like, oh, yep, well, sacrifice. Here comes the queen to be sacrificed. I'm coming. But nobody did it. Because they got caught. They got busted. Busted. Super busted. So busted that they got caught by that idiot Kemp. Raffensburg. Not Kemp. Raffensburg, Kemp. <laughs> Out of a closet in West Brunswick. Identified as DHS. Which tells you what? Your own government's fucking rigging your elections. Which government? The fourth unelected branch. Your SESs. Your undergrounders. Your shadow people. That don't fucking exist. George Soros, he's just the guy that gives money because he likes to fucking do it for a kick. Let's move it along. They serve other masters. Soros is one of those two. Not their masters, serves the same one. So you have to think, if your own government is doing this shit to you and you're in your house, how safe do you feel right now? Knowing that they can barge in anytime they want and collect you. Knowing that they can arrest you and say, well, we don't have proof you did anything, but we're just going to arrest you because we said so. Because you had to have done something because you know this. And it's like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you anyway. This is where we're at in society. You have to take a good, hard think. It is not safe. It is not safe knowing that they can barge in and take you because they want to. It is not safe. Those January 6th prisoners, remember, they're the ones that created the law that I told you on that one shot, that show we did, to hold American citizens indefinitely into jail. Aren't you worried, Tori? Rules of engagement, they can't touch me. 
They can arrest me. They can cause me mental anguish. But they can't kill me. And that's, I have faith. But they can do a lot of harm. A lot of harm. No one's asking why these people are still in jail. How long have they been in there, guys? It's fucking November. It's almost Christmas. How long have they been in there since last Christmas? January, February? Murderers don't even sit in jails that long. How long have they been in there because they trespassed? How is that okay? Where's the speedy fucking trial? Do they not have rights? Remember when Austin Steinbart went in? What did I say? All right, loser, praying medic that preys on people. Don't like him. Where the fucker is rights? Huh? You talk about freedom and shit. Where the fucker is rights? He's supposed to have a speedy trial. Where's a speedy trial for these people? Everyone's like, oh, this, that, meh, eh, eh, eh. Fuck that. Where's the speedy trial? You may disagree. You, they may have taken a shit on Congress's floor, <coughs> broken windows. I don't care. Where are their rights to a speedy trial is the question. That's in our Constitution. Where are their rights? Nowhere, right? Because they don't deserve rights, right? Because, because they said so? Like, where are their rights? How are they still in jail and no one is saying, all right, I don't agree with what they did. I don't like them. Okay. I don't like his face, her face, right? Again, we have John Sullivan that told people he came in there with a knife, purported the whole thing, guided everyone along, right? He was just there to take video. He was tasked for that. That was the third place he went to. Where there was someone shot and he had it on tape. Had it in Chaz, had it in fucking Utah. But you know, it's just a coincidence, right? Again, these people are in jail. But people like Ali Akbar are out. The ones that orchestrated that whole shit. Well, not by themselves. Got big, big pockets. And they have to cover because a lot of people, a lot of big people go down with Ali Akbar. But don't worry, that'll come too. That'll come too. There's no hiding. Because guess what? I, we're not red pilling people anymore. We're truth pilling the fuck out of everybody. Left, right, center, upside down, polka dot, curly, you name it. They're getting truth pilled. There is no more GOP, DNC, nah, nah, nah. There's truth and not truth. All of you are going down. Nothing can stop coming. And the more you think that you're getting away with it, the harder you will fall. If we can't stick to our foundations, okay? If we can't stick to our foundations, well, I support the Constitution in the United States. Fuck the Oath Keepers. Well, the Oath Keepers have been held with no charges for all this time. Is that okay? Do you find that okay, but you want to support the Constitution, but it only applies to other people? Kind of sounds like the left to me. I support free speech, but I'm banning anything that says this, this, this. Kind of sounds like what the left does. 
They're like, I don't want to hear it. Ban them. Totally sounds like the left. So if you take a step back and you pay attention to the scene by taking a step back, literally, sometimes you physically have to just take one step back. It all makes sense. Those on the right are really just like the left because they don't stand for the values of our nation. You don't have to like someone to support the fact that they have a right. You don't have to like someone at all. You can despise them, in fact. I'll tell you what. If Ali Akbar, who I can't stand, right, was arrested and held without bail and no charges and wasn't given a speedy trial, fuck, you know what? I would actually be fighting for his rights. Even though I can't stand that piece of shit, I would be standing for his rights. Why? Because Ali Akbar is in America. And he has afforded the rights that Americans are supposed to be afforded. And that's what every single one of us should do. You like him? Doesn't matter. Rights are rights. And you know where I saw the worst part? And this is why, you know, I don't like human beings. Because they're disgusting when they're evil. When my rights were violated, everyone's like, good. Wait, did you understand the gravity of that? completely and thoroughly tapped, you know, colonoscopy, took my bank accounts without telling me, walked into any account they wanted without telling me. I had no privacy. Where were my amendment rights? I didn't get them deserved because they felt like it with no complaint. What if they stop you on the street and fucking strip you naked because they don't like your face? I'm supposed to say, well, I don't like their face either. So good for them. That's not right. That's not right at all. That's not how you can discern someone that stands for truth. And someone that doesn't. Just because you don't like someone doesn't mean you won't protect their rights. Just because you don't like someone doesn't mean that they are a lesser citizen than you. Like I said, I can't stand the shit of Ali Akbar. The sight of him makes me irk. But if he was held and did not have a speedy trial, I would be the first one out there yelling for it. And no matter how many letters I've written, you know, proclaiming my detest, I haven't talked about it publicly. Only because everyone's so fucking polarized. Like, I see the main chat, and there's only 20,000 people having conversations in the main Tory Says chat. But then in all the other state groups, too. I see conversations and shit you guys share, and I'm like, damn it, seriously? They're really looking at this? Like, I... <laughs> It's like, okay, maybe I'm not doing a good enough job. You know, maybe I'm not, you know, putting it out there right. When I see things like that, I, I, I question myself. If they're my listeners and they're saying these things, that I must have done something wrong. Uh, and don't tell me about the bots. I already know. There's like good bots and then, damn, so many fucking coin sellers, right? <laughs> but I, honestly... As you see things, right, as you see the things are today, take a step back. Look at your 
Republican senators, your Democrat senators. Look at your wannabe influencers. They're not influencers anymore because they don't influence shit anymore, right? They just have this following and people just follow them to troll, right? Nobody says anything. But if you think about it, right? Look at what they say. They say they're, they're doing and saying the things that they're against. I saw someone post last week that they posted something like I tore my pants and they were banned. That's what the left does. So anyone that still follows these things, when they do shit that the left does, right? Because that's how they ban the president. And like I said, and I'm so glad that Tom McDonald put it out there. That's the biggest threat to our nation. Silencing your own fucking president. It is despicable when you see things like that, right? When you see things like that, this is where you call them out and say, no, nah, man, the left does that shit. You're a fucking leftist in hiding. Fuck you. You need to call them out. You need to let them know. I know a lot of people are, I don't, I don't like confrontation. Fuck that. When is the confrontation going to be okay? When the boot's on your face? When, when is it okay? When is it going to be the time that you're going to open your mouth and be loud as fuck with truth? When they come to your house and drag your kid out. When they stomp on your face. Or when they come into your bank account and take your taxes because you lied. When is it? That it's going to be the time that you're going to stand up for what's right. I don't have time to tell them to shut up. Okay. Well, then the time that you're going to want to say it, they're probably going to have a gag in your mouth. Never, ever delay truth. Don't ever delay it. It's exactly what is necessary every single moment. Again, I bring the example. You guys know how I feel about Ali Akbar. I hate That word I don't like, loathe, is better. Loathe, extra loathe. Loathe plus plus, right? But I will still defend his rights. And that's what all of you should be doing too. You should be defending the rights of those that don't even know they're violated, right? You should be defending the rights of those that don't want their rights. The sadness is, is that we're still all about this stupid optic shit, that's been dead. It's gone. It doesn't exist. Nobody cares about optics. Nobody cares what you look like. You're not influencing me to do shit. I'm not buying your t-shirt, your fucking jerky. I don't give a shit about anything like that because you're offering me absolutely nothing. I, unless it's entertainment, that's different, right? That's different when it's entertainment, right? You offer me entertainment. I remunerate you, right? But when it's people that actually, you know, tell you, hey, yo, I got some super intel shit. You got fuck all, dude. Step away. Bye. Guys, I had, I should read some of this shit. Let me tell you. So last, last two weeks have been just insane. I should read some of this stuff. Hold on. I would share it, but I just want to read it. Because it's so fucking dumb. So out of the blue, Pete Scamtilly texts me. Right? And he sends me shit. Like, hold on. He was spamming me, texting me. It's like, why would he text me? I don't give a shit what he has to say. Like, why is he texting me now? Right? So last Tuesday, no, October 25th, he started fucking spam texting me. And he said, you better shut your mouth. Don't even mention my name ever again or I'll go public on you. Have you sabotaged any legal cases lately? Just saying. Leave my name out, you little scam life. If you don't next time, you'll hear from me and it won't be 
this nice or by text. So I sent him, you guys know that laughing picture where it's like that gif with the, with the gay man with the puppy that's laughing. <laughs> I sent him that and I was like, is that a threat? He's like, it's a promise. I'll see your fat fake leftist ass to oblivion. If you breathe my name in false and malicious light, fuck you, scam Tilly. Bring it, bitch. Everyone, everyone told me you're fake. If you're, if you are threatened by being sued, then shut your mouth and shove a donut into it. First of all, I don't like donuts, but thanks. So I just responded with sued. I was referring to your nicer by text. I took that as a threat of bodily harm. Don't stir drama for clicks, loser. I don't have time for opportunists like you. You showed your true cause. I'm actually busy making a difference. Unlike others who simply dish misinfo to people. Fake fraud, saboteur, Lola, is that what you got? I thought you were the one we caught at the cyber symposium, captured your PC phones and all. Guess you didn't know. I was also monitoring that shit. You obviously have no idea, but memes are fun. So anyway, he goes on, blah, 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 blah. But then he goes into this. Everyone you're working for is under investigation. So, you know, let's just pause on that first sentence, okay? Is, let me give you some tea. This is fun. Who the fuck am I working for? I work for absolutely no one. Absolutely nobody pays me except the people. That is the only person I'm working for. So it made no sense. So then I was like, this is interesting. And it's including yourself. And it's not the military, ding dong. The people you are working for are not trusted. Who the fuck am I working for again? I'm working for the people. So I guess all of you are not trusted. Hold on. Because of that investigation. So the people you are working for are not trusted because of that investigation. Let me just reread this, okay? Let's just see what he's saying. Everyone you are working for is under investigation. Okay, so I'm not working for anyone, so that's weird. And I'm under investigation. I fucking know that. There's the good guys and the bad guys. They're just waiting to see where the fuck everything's coming from. And they still can't find it. Um, and it's not the U.S. military ding-dong. Oh, because if it was the military investigating me, it would be okay. But it's not the military. Wait, it gets better. Hold on. And he's like, the people you are working for are not trusted because of that investigation. I see. That's all I was saying. Your entire network of influencers is fake. Fraud. Like, guys, who the fuck is my network of influencers? Can someone explain that to me? Because I am so freaking confused. Like, where is he coming off with this? Do I have a network of influencers that I'm not aware of, that I should be aware of? Please provide me a name so that I know, so that I can say, hey, this is my network of influencers. Please provide me one. Just one name. Just one fucking name that <laughs> that is uh, uh, an influencer. Wait, here we go. Next sentence. This is the same text. They are corrupt and have met their match. Those who have been investigating. And it's like... Okay, so who's he talking about that is my network of influencers and saying all these things? And not only that, I'm working for people who I don't know who these people are, apparently, because they're all under investigation. And it's my network of uh, influencers. Oh, and then he puts a parenthesis. I specifically... I was specifically told to tell you. Who told you that? Roger Stone? In between of what? You getting up and dusting off those knees? What? 
What? Who told you what? Because I don't work for anybody. I don't know why anyone would think I'm working for anyone. <clears throat> Quick financial scope by the SEC and the IRS tell you I ain't working for nobody. But anyway, I digress. Not to say I've gotten offers. I just don't need them. I don't need any of them. I've gotten offers. Hey, this. Hey, that. Hey, this. It's like, no, thank you. I'm doing great right now. So it's just really weird. And he just kept sending messages and messages and messages. Okay, and I wasn't very nice. I mean, I called Deb by her old name, Susanna. She used to be called Susanna. Everybody forgets that. But And I was like, oh, what a weird guy. Such a weird loser. And and he was just making statements and constantly fat naming me. And it's like, all right. He just said, show your fat face. You did. And I guess maybe he missed me because he heard I was sick. I don't know. I mean, it was so weird. And I was like thinking, you know, when he said influencer network, I was thinking maybe you guys can tell me who the fuck this influencer network is that I don't know about that everybody else seems to know about. Anybody? No? Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh-huh. Because, you know, uh, nobody influences me. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> Sometimes even common sense doesn't influence me. And I'll just open my big mouth and start talking. So, <coughs> listen. Right now, we're at this time where things are going to be in our favor this month. You're going to see a lot of things in our favor this month that are going to give you great hope. But that will quickly dwindle in December purposely. It is a Christian holiday and they must crush you. I'm telling you that now. They will amplify to minimize the impact of your wins. Your wins begin in September. That is when it begins. I guess Skoda Skate should have happened last year in September, but I guess uh, September, I meant February. Did I say September? I meant February. It should have happened February last year. And the inclinations were there. The things that were happening had started. It already initiated, but then it changed. Why? Because even key players like you, the people, we're not making the moves needed. It's kind of like a domino thing. If one domino is out of place, it's not going to drop the other ones right after it. Everybody needs to be in place for it to go. So then there's a delay. Let's put those dominoes back up and knock it down. So I'm just saying, with whatever happens in November, I want you to remember what happens in November will be transported into February and start to bloom the fuck. And you're going to see a change in your nation that you have never envisioned. Never envisioned. Like you have because you've hoped, but it's going to be so different. And at the time that it happens, it won't be shocking to you because you'll be the one actually having it made it done. So it's all beginning now. This month is going to be kind of incredible. We're going to be busy. You know, it doesn't even feel like Christmas is coming, but I could tell you something. This year has gone away with warp speed, huh? You've blinked and it's fucking 2022 already. It's almost as if it went real quick to make the pain go easy. February is when we'll start. When we'll start seeing things happening the way they should. 
on that note, God bless everyone. Have a great evening.